You're tuned into episode 18 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to do a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. And we're coming at you live from sunny Tom's River. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) This is another live episode where we're all together in the same space, which I'm very happy to do once again. All those that matter. What do you mean? All Marco. Yeah. Yeah. We got Marco, though. Marco's here. What? Wait, Marco, we can't hear you. Oh, boy. Oh, God, wait, wait, Marco, stop. Stop. You know why? I'm on mute. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying in. We're not editing that out. (laughs) All right, cool. I thought it was like some kind of technical error. All right, cool. (laughs) So, unfortunately, unfortunately, Marco couldn't join us. Uh, here at Pete's place. Yeah, the fucking trials of having a salary job. Yep, but he's here in spirit and he's on the show. So happy to have you, Marco. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you set that up like as like, well, happy to be here, Sean. Um, you know, I, I'm really enjoying <laughs> yeah, it. Man, come on, <laughs> I threw it to you, dude. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, happy to be here on my own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am happy to have a five star rated podcast which the Comics Pals podcast is uh, on iTunes. In fact, you can leave us a comment there and you can contribute to our five-star rating by leaving us a rating and uh, letting us know what you think. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at the Comics Pals. You should check us out there and YouTube where you can subscribe to our channel, comment and let us know what you think about the episodes and share. Uh, If you really want to help us out, shares are the biggest way to support shares and subscribes. Let your friends know what we do here. And that you like it. We're also on uh, on Google Play as of whenever this gets approved, which should be soon. So hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we'll be approved. Yes. Officially for all you Android users like me. A new way to listen to the comics pals. I don't know why you wouldn't just listen on SoundCloud, but that's your business. So I don't I don't intend to judge. I want to give you the show wherever uh, you want it. You should I'm listen. Judging. I, guess. I, gotta be, I gotta be honest. I had I, I thought that transition that Sean had was so smooth. I was gonna give it a nice little commentary, but then everyone just kind of went off the rails like a out of commission train you mean like every other episode of the comic spells yeah pretty much <laughs> it's what we do we're all out of commission trains i feel like if our podcast was any legend of zelda game it would be spirit tracks i just want to throw that out there was that a bad game <laughs> yeah it was the bad ds game where you play link and instead of going on a fun adventure and being a sword master you're like a fucking train conductor <laughs> what in the, world? The, one, the one listener who loves zelda had to take his headphones off he's like oh my god deep cut i can't believe he went there holy shit <laughs> and then like the five people that like that game are rushing to the comments like you fucking monster that was my childhood <laughs> So now that we've trashed uh, Zelda, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've been reading. Uh, Pete, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, <laughs> Lobby up for a softball here because I read like almost nothing this week. Um, I, w- I had a bunch of personal shit going on and very little free time. Um, but uh, what did you want to read? I did. I did right? yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I would love to be reading Invincible right now. Um, yeah, no, I I read uh, I read a couple odds and ends for uh, a an article I was doing for CBR about uh, DC sidekicks. So I read I read some Batman stuff because um, I've like literally never ever read anything with Cassandra Kane. So I read um, I can't remember the issue numbers, but it's that first uh, event where she gets introduced and she's like an agent of Oracle and she's still mute and everything and that whole thing. Um, Cataclysm. I don't think it's called Cataclysm, but. 
it's irrelevant. If you know what it is, let us know in the in the comments below or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I, I really had no exposure to the character other than just knowing that she was apparently totally badass. And like, you know, I, I you know, obviously the uh, I don't know if we're talking about it in the news this week, but there was the uh, the ranking list from uh, from Tom King, and, and she was like really high up on there. So yeah, um, so that was like, you know, I, it was cool to like get an introduction to that character. I, I know she's not really like that anymore, but um, that was cool. She's pretty awesome still. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan, actually. Um, okay. Cass, so, if you're listening, call Sean. Don't call me. Uh, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> also, she's... Who good. listens. Also, she listens to every episode of this yeah. show, Phil. <laughs> so, I'm a heel. <laughs> trying to break up a happy home, dude? That's all I do. Trying to turn off one of our only listeners. <laughs> uh, uh, Marco, you get to read anything? Yeah, so I had that big pile of uh, books last week. Uh, I read the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, and I enjoyed it. I, I liked it. I, I know I think Phil was ready to, to strike if I if I didn't. And that's Superman at the end, right? Like he he's still alive, right? Hmm. Who knows, Marco? No, you guys are doing this to me all. Like I was like, I was so positive. I'm like, guys, that's him, right? He's he's alive. And you're like, oh no, maybe. It's, spoiler alert: It's him. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but what if it's not? I mean, we all think it might be. Yeah, but it but it but could not knows? be. Marco, yeah. do you hate things with open endings? Uh, no, I enjoy them. I just. Uh, for for this, I I just wanted I just wanted to make just, sure I was like, is that is that what's he happening? He just whines about it for a straight week until someone gives him an answer. Do you think at the, <laughs> since, you're, since you're a big Alan Moore boy, do you think Batman kills the Joker at the end of Killing Joke? No. Okay. <laughs> Talking the mic, Phil. Okay. <laughs> you. Um, and I am finished Nailbiter Volume Two. Uh, can't wait for th- to get number three, and oh oh, oh. Uh, those old EC books. I got a I got a big collection. Um, one called Spawn of Mars, which is all like sci-fi stuff and um, space and all that. So really, really digging that. The art is uh, phenomenal. It's by Wally Wood. I know him from some of the stuff that he did. Covering for Will Eisner doing his spirit run, and cool. um, yeah, enjoyed that. Sounds good. Um, Nailbiter two. You said you're looking forward to volume three, but how was uh, how was the second uh, volume? The second one, it, it it wasn't as suspenseful as the first one. It w- I think it was a lot more. It was a lot looser. The first one was setting up a story and sort of setting up a larger uh, narrative, but the second one was sort of like stuff that was happening in between those moments. It was a lot less it was just a lot less suspenseful it was a lot um there was more i felt of a like a slower pace it wasn't as high octane and as fast as the first volume so um yeah but uh it didn't turn me off from the book or from the series i just i want to see where the those loose ends from the first one get resolved and hopefully the third one okay uh is that all you got to uh yeah just um i i caught up on saga and harrow county so i'm all up to date wait can we for the release of number 43 for I was saga say, what yeah they're at 42 
Uh, yeah, the, the last one was forty two. So I'm all caught up too. Then cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did you like that? Did you like the last one? Pete? Yeah. Did it did it leave you like uh, it, it left me feeling sad? Oh, I mean, the book regularly leaves me feeling sad, but yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, um, man. It's just funny because I remember. Uh, I don't remember exactly where in the numbers I felt this way, but I feel like Saga has like a pretty decent like lull that where like the story yeah, slows yeah, down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then it just like jumps, like leaps forward again. And ever since that, and I'm, I'm sure you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, ever since that, I've, I've just been like totally in it. You know, like it's, I feel like mm-hmm. every issue has been really gripping. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Same thing. Like, I think, I think it was like in the late twenties, early thirties or something when they were yeah uh, spoilers, I guess. I mean, they came out like last year. So, um, but they were like in a, in a prison and all that stuff. Right, right. I think, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And then now it's gotten, it's it's picked up a lot. Yeah. yeah, ever since the, and like that was kind of like a, you know, it wasn't like a long time, but like when you think about the way that Saga comes out, so it's like, if it's like half of an arc is that, and then there's a six month gap, it was like, <laughs> right, it exactly. felt like forever. But now that it's like back and ever since the resolution of that plot, uh, it's been just, just really great, you know? Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so for me, it's been less comic reading and more comic organizing. Um, <laughs> I, I have I have thousands of comics, and um, I, ha- I have long boxes, but I don't have enough long boxes. So I have tons of books that are not bagged, boarded, or put away, and that is a big mess. It's so also stressful as fuck. It's very stressful. Yeah, like. Looking at that pile causes me agita. So I have been focused on trying to get them in an order so that when I do get more long boxes and bags and boards, they're ready to go. And for some reason, doing that, putting them in that order so that I know that at least I can go and find something when I need to read it, it just makes me feel better. That's so good. I've been spending a lot of time doing that. You just got to get the bags and boards and boxes, man. They're not that expensive. It's not a price issue. Oh, it's, space. It's it's space, but it's also, um, you know, I used to deal with a specific retailer. That retailer went out of business. So now I'm just like, where do I go? And I haven't found a place. So Shit. I gotta- you know, we were talking about it uh, when we were, we got, since, you know, like we said, the guys are all here at my house in Tom's River. Uh, and we like went out and got breakfast. We talked about going to one of my comic book stores. Like, just get them over there. Okay. Like they have, they have them for dirt cheap. They like long boxes for like three dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like awesome. Cool. Um, Who do you think out of all the pals has the messiest collection? Me, probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, based on the volume that you're talking about, because in my collection, I have, I have probably in the neighborhood of like a hundred comics that aren't bagged and boarded, but they're not comics that I necessarily care about. And like the ones that I do care about that aren't bagged and boarded and organized are like neatly taken care of in one pile on top of one box ready to go so i'm, I'm not too bad in that sense i think it's phil because he's trash yeah. damn <laughs> that's true though that part's true though but my books are organized but i am trash <laughs> At least you're <laughs> uh so kale you want to tell us what you read yeah so uh on the way here i read um the fade out First volume of uh, awesome. Fingers to Fade Out. Oh, dude! Uh, yeah, really good. I love, I love '30s Hollywood uh, noir dramas. Um, I used to listen to uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and they did the podcast. Uh, the podcast. Uh, they did uh, a little segment called Tales from the Black Lagoon, 
and it was a murder mystery following the guy who was inside the creature of the Black Lagoon's costume. It was man, it was amazing. Interesting. So yeah, this uh, this book just hits me right in a in a real particular soft spot that I just man, I love. Did you play L.A. Noir? No, I never got to. I feel like that's a kale game. You shouldn't. No, that it's is not a kale good. game. I like that's, it. That's also what I heard. Yeah. It's not a it's good not game. Bad. I like uh, it. I mean, like, I don't. I don't feel like it's a particularly unpopular opinion to think it's a bad game. But I, I played it uh, for probably about half of it, and uh, it's just it's paced very poorly. Like the there's so much there that like you can see what they were going for, and like I feel like if what they had wanted to do was really executed well, it would have been great, but. It's not much of a game, and then the story isn't paced well. The rest of Volume 1 sort of sets up as though they're going to just move on with their lives. But then at the very end, they make a twist. Yeah, it's it's um, it's. I think it's one of Ed's better stuff. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it it's his most recent thing. Right? Uh, his most recent thing is Kill or Be Killed, which is ongoing. Yeah, which I've I've been loving. I think that's phenomenal. For you to say that is like high praise. I think because you're a big Brubaker guy. So to be like, yeah. oh, it's one of Brubaker's better things. I feel like that's high praise, big time. Because uh, for me, it scratched a particular itch. Like there aren't a lot of comics like that. I wouldn't say, uh, and so it scratched a very particular itch. Um, I thought the story was really well told, which Brubaker has gotten. I mean, he's always been a good storyteller, but he's getting even better. I think, and then. Anytime you buy an individual comic that Brubaker releases, there's always back matter that's really good. So, like, there's always, um, in, in the fade out, there were a lot of stories coming from that time period that, you know, real, real tales that would go into the back that you know, he would basically be talking about this. There was one that was written by somebody that was talking about a woman who was a Hollywood actress who was uh, murdered and talking about that. So, um, you always get that kind of stuff with a Brubaker book, and it was particularly good in Fade Out. He recommends different movies, different books that might be interesting. So, um, yeah, phenomenal book. Sean, how'd you like the end of that? Oh man, yeah, that was that was a good ending. Um, yeah, it, 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 I, when I first read it, I was kind of mad at the way that it resolved, um, like really frustrated with it. And in, in retrospect, and like rereading the series, I sort of realized that that was what he was going for he was looking to sort of leave you with that emotion and then for that like i i thought it was a really really well done incredible yeah <laughs> it reminds me of why the last man that was like i remember when i finished it the first time i was like <laughs> like i was like so like emotionally just like like torn up by the ending i was like this is like terrible i hate this ending and it was just <laughs> like no it's so good it just made me like that was what he wanted that visceral reaction i feel like a lot of people when they get mad or upset by a piece of art, and they are like, "Well, this is bad. It made me upset." It's like, mm, no, it's like, yeah, it's like, no, yeah, that's the point. It, it, it did its job. Yeah, right, exactly. Sure. Like it, it elicited an emotion out of you. It's like that's great. Yeah, exactly. Kale, did you want to talk about some more books? Uh, the only other thing I've been reading this week are recaps of Riverdale. <laughs> uh, that show is great. It's love it. Utter garbage. <laughs> And it has got me by the testicles. <laughs> um, I think about it all the time. It's but just, you refuse to watch it. It's now. the worst. Yeah. So the recaps are better than uh, the episodes. How do you know you're not watching anymore? Well, come on. But you are. No, I'm not. 
I reading the recaps. I am going to watch Riverdale when I get home. Yeah, and I because I need to know. Let's turn it on right now, boys. I would. Sure, I would sure watch. I like it when you start watching it. No. Why? Come on. We'll all watch it every weekend. <laughs> yeah. We can just turn the show into a River Riverdale review. Riverdale fan. Yes. Welcome to episode 19 of the Riverdale Pals. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even fucking joke. I'm out. <laughs> I am out. A show where a group of comic book friends and Archie journalists. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's comic the, book friends. That's the biggest, most square thing I've ever heard in my life. A bunch of Archie pals. <laughs> So shut up, Jughead. <laughs> he likes hamburgers, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> His defining character trait is that he likes hamburgers. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if I was confusing him with and that he guy from Fox, because that's what all Archie books are about. Why? Oh my. Well, no, he's asexual. Is he? Oh yeah, in the modern books, sure is yeah, he is. <laughs> I know that, Pete. <laughs> Phil, wait, in the modern one, he's asexual. Yeah, it was a big deal that uh, Chip Zdarsky uh, made sort of a, a, a real point of expressing that Jughead has never really been interested in having sex or relationships with anyone, uh, men or women, or uh, maybe hamburgers, but... <laughs> oh. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was confusing him with the guy from Popeye, who's like, I'll give you a dollar today, today for he a hamburger. He would definitely... Have sex with him. That was that guy's name. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, that's gonna bother. Was me. that so? Was Kale? Was that expressed in like in the book, or was that just something that Sidarsky like just started talking about? Both. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, expressed, yeah, directly in the book. But yeah, it was a big deal when it when it happened. This has been Riverdale Watch. <laughs> Moving new segment right along. Phil, would you like to talk to us about what you read this week? Okay, I have three things, and I'll keep it brief. For the point and sake of uh, brevity, I don't know. Yeah, brevity. there you go, pal. <laughs> Good job. For the sake of brevity, let me explain what brevity is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dang. <laughs> okay, so uh, I read the first issue of Sheriff of Babylon, which is on my Tom King kick, since I read uh, Mega Man, Vision. Um, and my first thought is, like, in general... Like war medium stuff is not my not my thing. Like I, I don't really get into that kind of thing. Uh, but it's good so far. It's really good. Like you can tell with the characters, he's uh, setting up um, a really interesting cast. Because I mean, the story goes that Tom King was in the Middle East as a CIA operative, and this book kind of reflects that experience. And I mean, it's very set in the time he was there because there's like pictures of President George W. Bush. So this is like 2004 ish. Um, I'll give more details as I continue with the the series. I think it's 12 issues, so got like what, 11 more to go. Uh, so yeah, I'll keep you apprised on that uh, as I read the next 11 issues and see how that goes. I uh, also read the first issue of Jeff Lemire's Descender. I mentioned that last week that I was going to start digging deep into that. It's a good book. The first issue didn't grab me too much, but I'm I think it'll pick up because it's Lemire and the art was really good, so I'll definitely keep going on it. I, I imagine I'll get. I mean, obviously, a first issue isn't always yeah, same grab you. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really into it until like the I want to say like the third one, maybe. Yeah. So great. So yeah, I mean, again, that's one I will also keep you posted on. Uh, and then just a little sidebar here. I watched. I was telling Kale this the other day, but 
I've watched the Batman animated series episode, um, The Terrible Trio, which I almost misremembered as The Evil Three, which is an episode of The Adventures of Superman with George Reeves, but that's good. That's a good episode and a good show, so you should watch that. But um, The Terrible Trio episode of Batman animated series is really good. It's like these three yuppie trash boys from like some uh, you know bougie school that are like, oh, we're above the social order. Let's just commit crime for the thrill of the hunt. Okay, I've got a hot point here. That's what they sound like, too. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> like, that's accurate. <laughs> this isn't that's, one of Phil's bad impressions. This is what they sound that like. That was actually spot on. I, I don't know if you, like, the terrible trio is actually, like, they're from Batman comics. Like, uh, they, they're from, like, 1958 and shit. And they've been in more recent books. I can't recall which, but like, it, that, that's like actual Batman canon too, right there. But uh, like, even though some of the dialogue was cheesy in that episode, like when that show was on, it was a grand slam. That yeah. show holds up. So, and uh, one other thing is that I've been rereading some like specific issues of Animal Man because like every individual issue is like very self-contained in a lot of ways i mean there's an overarching story but uh that book just gives me so many existential feels <laughs> it's so good yeah dude <laughs> thank you for that um all right cool so i think we can move on i think that that uh brings us to the next point of our show what might that be pete well, I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week. <laughs> I think you're right. And uh, this time I've got one. So the last time we came here, we talked about watching the Watchmen. Uh, no, but I'd like to watch the Watchmen. I, um, I watch them. I do. I mean, Batman does now. But. Yes. Batman and the Flash. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Uh, we talked about watching really bad superhero movies. Yeah. And that got me thinking, what is the worst superhero movie? Ooh, this is a fun one. Yeah. So. Superman 1. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I Phil would movie. kill you. Uh, My middle finger says the whole story. I'm doing it as hard as I can. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone have any, any thoughts? I, I hated the first Hulk. Uh, the, Ang- the Angley Hulk. Uh, I did not like Eric Bana. I didn't like anything about that movie. Oh, the Hulk dogs. Nope. <laughs> that was horrible. Yeah, didn't like it uh, at all. For me, that's number one with a bullet. Okay. Um, Loaded guy complex. Even even in comparison, can't pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> even in comparison to some of the some of the stuff from the nineties, uh, some of the X Men stuff that they've done. I enjoy like. I enjoy Batman Forever. There's an element of even Batman and Robin that I can tolerate. It's watchable. It's yeah, but I, I think the Angley Hulk is just it's bad. I I used to hate that movie real bad, and then I watched it one time and I was like, okay, this isn't a Hulk movie. This should not have been a Hulk movie. But there's actually like a good movie somewhere in here. No, dude, it's also so long. It's long. It's dry. All that stuff is absolutely true. I think it's. I think it's probably bad. Like it's objectively bad. But I feel like in that there's bad, something there. there's something. Like I liked the element of like Bruce's father being involved somehow. Like mm. 
I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it was interesting. It was different, but it was it wasn't good. Was but, that the one with Liv Tyler in it too? I believe as she, Betty. She played Betty. I believe so. Right. I thought she was a good Betty. Or or what? No, she was the second. Was she was the, the one. Incredible. Hulk? Yeah, she was the she, she was, was Betty and with, with, with Ed, Ed Norton. Um, Eric Norton. Eric Ed, 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 Edward Ed Norton. Norton. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Angley's Hulk has its like apologist in the Avengers though. It was uh, Jennifer Connelly. There you go. It was uh, Betty. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call myself an apologist, and I certainly wouldn't call myself a defender of the film. I think that your opinion, Kale, is very valid. Um, I just, for me, there was something in there that was that made it a little redeemable. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, or that's like up there for me as one of the worst. I think that the two that come to mind for me that I think are maybe worse is one of steel. Man of Steel is pretty bad. Um, one of them is a personal one for me, and that's uh, the original Daredevil, which is just, it's just not good. I hear the director's cut makes it better. Heard that. I've heard that too, but I've never watched it. Um, I haven't seen that movie. I can't speak to that. Uh, I, 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 I watched it in theaters as a kid and didn't like it, which says a lot. And then watch it again as a teenager when I was like getting back into uh, Marvel comics, and I read um, Mark Wade's run on Daredevil, and then was just like, I'm gonna go watch the movie again, see if it's like it was really that bad. It is that bad, uh, and I just like Daredevil a lot, so that's one of the ones where it's just like I want it to be good, and it just isn't. Um, I think that one that might be objectively worse too is just fan- the Fantastic Four movies are all yeah. pretty pretty fucking shit. The newest see, one is for the worst. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Daredevil and the Fantastic Fours versus the Hulk, the Angley Hulk specifically. I enjoyed them. I had a good time. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say they're good. Yeah. But I mean, I had a great time. I was there for Daredevil. I, I think I was just pumped there was a Daredevil movie. That's fair. Trivia question: What superhero movie have I seen more than any other superhero movie? Fantastic Four, because one time when I was in high school, I was like delirious sick, and I accidentally had that movie on loop, and I watched it probably eight or nine times in a row by accident. You're just like, oh man, I haven't watched this in forever. I think my mom put it on, like, hey, this is this will keep you occupied. I was like, all right, all right. So that's great. <laughs> like, that's a horrible thing to do to your sick child. <laughs> Put on Batman, goddammit. I don't think I, I don't think he likes comic book stuff. He had a DVD of it. Marco. Why? I don't know. I think my mom bought it for me for Christmas one year. Marco, you wanna go? Um Yeah, I agreed with um with Pete, the Fantastic Four, the newest one specifically, was just bad story wise, I think. Uh, ridiculously over flashy with CGI's unnecessary uh for a lot of the characters they didn't look that great and from a like pacing of story it was drawn out and a lot of bits were just unnecessary to for the in the larger story did you see the original ghost rider no i didn't i didn't oh god i forgot about that piece of shit <laughs> You know they made a second one. I know. Yeah. No idea why. Um uh, there's certain movies like I'm not a big superhero movie guy, but like there's bad movies and then there's bad movies that you just enjoy because they're bad. <laughs> and Ghost Rider is one of those movies. Were you enjoying it? Well, it's bad. I think it's because you're a Nick Cage apologist. 
I love Nick Cage in that movie. He eats jelly beans out of oh. a martini glass. Excuse me? He's so bad. <sighs> okay, hang on. This has to be addressed. Because I'm going to explode. <laughs> Phil just said he doesn't watch superhero movies. I do. No, no, he said he wasn't in, he's not big into them. Yeah. Not that he doesn't watch them. Yeah. Okay. My point stands. Sure. <laughs> My point stands. <laughs> there's there's good ones. There's absolutely good ones. Uh there's forgettable ones. Uh there's bad there's ones that are so bad that they're good, and then there's the go away heat bad ones. So they're movies. So <laughs> So now you've established that superhero films are also movies. <laughs> and so the Ghost Rider movie is so bad it's good category. That's the part of the show where Phil explains a very simple concept in an abstract way. <laughs> Phil mansplains. Oh, I don't like he, that he Phil Phil Splains. Phil Splains? Yeah. <laughs> You've been filled in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's go. That's perfect. I didn't make that up. I can't take credit for that. Oh, okay. I just want to say, like... <laughs> Phil Phil Splains? Is not, uh, that, that wasn't your original No, name. Phil Splains, I came... I said filled in. Oh. You've been filled in. I didn't come up with that. I stole that from Philip DeFranco. <laughs> <laughs> So the worst one you said was what now? Oh, I don't know. The worst ones, so like, a lot of the Fox ones are like, so bad they're good. (laughs) The segment where Phil contradicts himself from the previous episode. (laughs) No, they're so bad they're good, is what I'm saying. But the worst ones are probably like X-Men 3. That's a really bad movie. It's an all-time bad movie. Spider-Man 3 is another really bad movie. I don't enjoy the Amazing Spider-Man movies at all. I think the first one is like the thing that Sean said about where there's like, the, like you can see like there's like a, there's a kernel of a, of quality there. It's just not like I think like the the subplot that's about like them being uh, like having their like little romance and everything between Peter and Gwen is like there are parts of that that land for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first Amazing Spider-Man. The second was. Oh, not I hate I hate the first one. I, I didn't like Andrew terrible. Garfield. Yeah, he's terrible. He's not a good. He's yeah, not a I good did. Peter Parker. Yeah, he's too cool. Kale, how did you feel about the fight scene between Spider Man and Electro, where they inserted the itsy bitsy spider theme in techno? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> um, but as far as like itsy bitsy Spider Man, <laughs> oh, um. So bad. Like as far as expectation and disappointment goes, Man of Steel is like the worst for me. Because like while Man of Steel is like not the worst movie, honestly, like like there's parts of it that like are pretty good. I think um, the hype I had going into that movie, how good the trailers made it look, and with the product that came out of it, the first trailer for that movie was incredible. Yeah. Oh my god! I was like, this is gonna be like they made it seem like this is not just gonna be a superhero movie. This is going to be a work of art. Yeah, this was going to replace like the Christopher Reeves like seventies Superman movie. Yeah, or yeah, it was going to be like the Dark Knight of like like the next Dark Knight level movie. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. like it was going to define what super Superman is. And like the with the product we got, I have never been so disappointed walking out of a movie. Like ever since, I, my <laughs> anticipation for all movies is so low. Because yeah. I just don't get hyped. Because I'm just like, well, man, I've been feel. burned. I've been burned. Yeah. So like, Guardians of the Galaxy was a movie I was really excited for, but going out, I was like, yeah, might be shit. But like, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, 
like everyone was super hyped for the the new Star Wars movie. Um, but I was like, I had these like real like the trailers made it look good. I'm like, fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It was pretty good. Like maybe having these lower expectations like makes me enjoy a movie more. But like I just don't have the hype going into movies that I used to. I honestly think you're right though. I I like as much as I know I'm uh, a victim to it and like a part of perpetuating it. Um, like like podcasts like this do where it's like hype i don't think hype is really ever a good thing i think like going into something with like like no expectations and just experiencing it is always better for your enjoyment of it phil which star wars movie were you referring to the uh, force awakens yeah episode seven. Uh, both of them um i was just oh okay. oh my god you heard wait me. hang on sorry fuck comma both of them seven was really good rogue one was garbage Whoa! Fuck comma whoa. both of them. I'm so confused by that. No, sense, no, but no, yeah. no. Seven was pretty bad. Excuse Can we me? not go nope, down this nope. rabbit hole? Yeah, rabbit hole. Right. Okay. Like, I just, I, vehement, I vehemently disagree with both of you. We've talked about it before. Table it for the, a future we're, Star Wars. I think we should Wars. do a Star Wars episode. We've talked about that. Let's do it. Live production so, on the show. We're referring back to the random Pierce question. Uh, I when I think about this question, I think about quality, but I also think like Phil about hype, I think about uh, the, the importance of the film. And I think when you have this conversation, it's hard to have it without mentioning three movies. Spider-Man 3, X-Men 3, and Batman vs. Superman. I thought you were going to say Batman 3. No, no. I, <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises is my movie. So, Dude, oh, I hate that movie. Let's not even do this. I hate that let's fucking movie. Let's not even movie. do this. This will ruin the comics, pals. <laughs> let's not. How did the Dark Knight uh, Rises not come up during the Batman episode? Like, in detail. Yeah. Because I don't like it, and I wanted to talk about the Batman stories I like. We'll we'll do another one of those, because I have to talk about that. So, Sean, are yeah. you, what, are, what you're telling me is that if I tell you how much I don't like it, that... The rage will rise, brother. <laughs> it's it's and it will cause the destruction of the comics pals. <laughs> this is like this is like the fiftieth Bane impression we've done this weekend. <laughs> brother. For a movie that's like five years old. And good. Now moving on. Uh so Spider Man three was probably the most hyped, I would say, the most hyped superhero movie short of Avengers. Uh, because Spider-Man 3 was the culmination of this trilogy that up until that point had made superhero movies kind of cool and mainstream. And here's, totally. this, yeah. here's this third one that everyone is going to see, right? And it really was bad. It was, yeah, it was supposed to be. It was going to have Venom. Venom, Venom right? It was going to bring so many people into the theater. Um and it just didn't do any of those characters justice. Everyone at all. was super hyped for what was going to happen with the Harry Osborn character arc, dude. And like, you know what, man? Like, I don't know if you guys remember this because like we were like young, but it's a thing that like a lot of like older pundits talk about. Is like everyone kind of had um, like a an inflated sense of the quality of um, Episode One, walking out of it, Star Wars. Right? I had the exact same thing with Spider Man Three. I remember walking out of Spider Man Three and being like. That was so cool, and I got to see Venom, and then it was just like I saw it again, like the same week, and I was like, "Oh, this is fucking terrible." Well, I just remember yeah, not after- me. I'm a little bit older than <laughs> I, I'm older than all of you. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Yeah, not me. I was. Like I walked 14, out of that. I think when it came out, it was maybe. garbage. I that movie actually made like. I, I remember as just a kid, people were like, "Oh, is Harry going to become the the Hobgoblin?" Like after yeah. the first two, like. 
like it was people actually cared about what the the character direction. These are people yeah. that don't read comics. They're like, well, I heard this might happen. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of rumors surrounding that film. Like everything sounded so cool. Then they cast her for Grace, and then I was like, wow, well, that's not Venom. Uh, and then they were like, there's going to be three villains, and I was like, wow, that's a lot. And at that point, we hadn't. Like that that wasn't a lesson that had been learned by by yeah, the industry. That movie taught that lesson. So yeah. <laughs> so no one really thought that that was gonna be bad. It was just like, all right, fuck it. You know, that's Ooh. what's happening. Um my friends called me at six in the morning, waked up wo- oh sorry, waked up. Oh my god. Woke up <laughs> <laughs> woke up my family with this uh house call to tell me that the movie was absolute trash and not to see it. And I said, no, there's no way. You guys are wrong. You're trolling me. I'm going to see it. I went to see it, and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I was like, man, Venom, Green Goblin, Sandman, wow. Then I saw it again. I saw it three times in theaters. I did too. Yeah. The second time, I was like, wow, that was not as cool as the first time. But I'm seeing this again. I'll see it one more time and make sure. I need to know. <laughs> and then I saw it a third time, and I was like, wow, this is bad yeah dude and that's where i that's where i you know arrived. I, I like literally i went i went to go see it with friends the first time and then i went and saw it with my dad and that was when i was like mm, i don't know about this and then i went and saw it with a date and i was just like oh what the fuck is this yeah what did they do to my spider-man movies and then the other one uh x-men the last stand i feel like that was the one where it was like okay we need to really dial it back because they did too much with that movie yeah. right and i feel like the, I like. I want to see a lot of characters in my X Men movies, yeah. Just because you know, I want to. There's a lot of X Men, uh, but this movie went way too far. They tried to throw in everyone, and a lot of people you didn't even care to see. Uh, there were some you don't even know that were in the movie, like Psylocke. Who knows she was in the movie, but she was, right? And um, it just it didn't make any sense. No, uh, such a train wreck. Yeah, and I think that that's that 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 was a stigma that comic book films got after that movie, where hey, these these are junk, um, and we didn't we didn't get away from that. I don't think until the Dark Knight, where people thought again like they did about Spider Man Two. Okay, these movies are art, you know. Yeah, even Batman Begins. Yeah, it was just I, like whatever. Yeah, like well, it was under the radar. I would say. Oh no, I liked Batman. Yeah, that's the point I was making. Not that it wasn't quality, yeah, yeah. but it was like. It came out and it didn't set the world on fire. It was just like, oh, cool. It was a good Batman movie. I guess Batman movies can be good again. And then it was like Dark Knight came out and set the fucking world on fire. And yeah, you know, from like 2002 slash 2003 until 2008, when both Iron Man and the Dark Knight came out. Yeah. The movies that we were getting were like Elektra. Um, yeah, Catwoman, Catwoman, the Fantastic oh, Four movies, the God, Ghost Rider movies. Those either. I've never seen them, but oh, Electra's yeah. so fucking. Bad. It really is. Like these are the movies that were coming out in that four to five to six year period, right? And then Batman, Superman being on that list is just simply because if not only is it bad, but it it doesn't do. I don't think it does anything right at all. And I think that it actually hurt DC far more than it helped. And because of that movie, because of decisions that were made in the process of making that movie, now we have all the crap that we're going to talk about later and that we talk about every week. And I feel like that movie set the tone for like a terrible direction. Like whatever you think of Man of Steel, they could have easily redeemed themselves. Batman, Superman, 
that was like, okay, well, you're done now. I still for, haven't mo- seen it. In the yeah. eyes of most people, I think. Well, I haven't either. Yeah, so was that, you're not missing was that thing for me where it was like, I'm done. Yeah, Man of Steel killed it for me. Yeah. We talked about this yeah, yeah. for a year. I saw, I saw it out of morbid curiosity. You know, like it was, it was the whole thing of like, I remember seeing the article of like, Batman v Superman has a lower like rating on Rotten Tomatoes than the Super Mario Brothers movie. And I was like, bullshit. There's no <laughs> way it's worse than that movie. And I went and saw it and it's not. And I've said that I'll, I'll, I'll always bang that drum. That movie does not live up to the anti-hype, but it was so abysmal. Like well, it's, it's trash, but it's not like, it's not. Daredevil trash. It's not Electra trash. Yeah, Super Mario Bros. is an amazing movie. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think we can move on from this. Yeah, okay. So, worst superhero movie, Super Mario Bros.? We all agree? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I think, dude, I think that movie is high comedy in a weird way. Like It's anti-cinema, man. That that movie is hilarious. It sucks, but it's funny. (laughs) It's definitely funny. Uh, It's just like, it's the difference of like, it's funny to laugh at, not laugh with. It's not like 66 Batman, which is a campy, goofy thing. But, right. But it's, it knows what it is, and I like that. Remember yeah. I said there are movies that are so bad, they're good? Super Mario Bros. is one of them. It's like watching a house burn down. You kind of can't look away. It's like The Room. <laughs> you ever see The Room? <laughs> yeah, The Room is great in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of superhero movies that fit that category in my head. I still right. haven't seen that. Well, let's save it for the movie, pals. Thank yeah. you, Kale. Uh, so we'll move on. If you guys want to send us a random question or leave us feedback about anything, you can hate on us. You can love us. You can talk about how Phil is your favorite heel. Uh, you can write to us <laughs> at the comics pals at gmail.com. That's the comics pals at gmail.com. Let's do some news. It's, it's time for the news. It's time for Batfleck Watch. Batwatch. We're going to have to pick only one of those and run. <laughs> no, I think we do it at the same time. Phil's got to do the. <laughs> and, then and then I do the thing. Batwatch. <laughs> I don't like any of that. <laughs> Well, if Kale doesn't like it, then uh, we're going to have to stop. I have a it. feeling that's what I'm going to say after we get through this news item. Let's go. All right. So, last week we talked about how Matt Reeves was pulling out of the Batman project. Uh, that's due. You can call it a project. Yeah. That's due for release uh, next week. Or next week. He <laughs> 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 fucking wishes at this point. <laughs> next next year. They hired Dan Harmon to shoot it in a garage. <laughs> We're going to get it out next week. Uh, that's due for release next year. The weird part is, I would watch that movie. It would be way better. And it would be way better, and I would enjoy that. And Donald movie. Glover would be Batman. <laughs> that's interesting. Whoa, Batman is black? <laughs> Wait. Is Sean black? <laughs> Am I? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so... <laughs> So now, now the Batman project officially does have a director, and it's guess who? Matt Reeves. Uh, they released Warner Brothers released a press release uh, during the week, kind of hyping up this announcement with some you know commentary from him. The basic stuff that always happens in press releases. What didn't happen in this press release, which is the reason why this. Uh, news article is titled Bat- Batfleck Watch, is that Ben Affleck was not mentioned in the press release. Now, normally, 
the star of the film is always attached to these kinds of things. But mysteriously, he wasn't mentioned. And that ties into a rumor that dropped last week that he might not even want to do this film. And so... It's been going around for a couple weeks now. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, is this a sign of something? Him not being attached? Or in the press release, that is. Yeah, it's a sign that it's a smart move. In what sense? In that uh, he's making a good career choice of dropping out of that movie. Yeah, getting away from these fucking train wrecks. Oh, shit. <laughs> you very well could be right. Um, I mean, to me, I think that's what it signifies, right? I mean, like, you're you're right that, like, not only is the lead actor, especially in a series of films, generally going to be mentioned in those things that would be directed by starring Ben, he was also, up until recently, maybe a screenwriter on the movie, too. So that would be an even bigger thing, like his name should be there. And the fact that we're not seeing his name, we're not seeing John's name. Yeah, there were no, they didn't even uh, say the name of the guy who's playing Deathstroke, allegedly. So So it it, it might not even be the movie that we've heard about. Yeah. It could be something totally different. And and it doesn't necessarily mean that because yeah. it could also just be that like the director has been shifted for the third time now, so maybe that was their thing of like, well, okay, that's all we're giving you that's new. But I'm inclined to agree with with you that like I I feel like this is pretty telling, and I'm not saying that that means Ben is definitely off the project, but I think it's pretty clear that there's some credence to those rumors and that like maybe their relationship with him is not so great right now. Yeah. What if what what if this is all just noise and it's like distracting us from a secret project that they're actually doing and they're gonna release like this crazy? Well, they're not doing Swamp Thing. <laughs> okay. Guillermo right, del Toro's right. Dark Avengers <laughs> or Dark Avengers? I'd Jesus watch. I'd Christ. watch that. Justice League Dark. Yeah, I'm sorry. I would watch that. I would watch that. I would though. watch that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys oh bust me up. So yeah, Matt Reeves is officially directing. Uh, that's cool. I just I worry, like we talked about last week, just about the release time. I don't think that there's enough time to make a quality film. Uh, if you're releasing it next year. I don't think that's enough time. Real quick, I'm I'm just gonna look up what's what's Matt Reeves. What's his disco? Oh, he did. We he did the uh, the Planet of the Apes. It's that same guy. Yeah, so that back? same guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then I remember last week he was off of it again. And he also did Cloverfield. That was the other Cloverfield, thing. Cloverfield, right? yeah. Okay. So Yeah, no, I mean like honestly, to me, like the biggest problem with this is like I don't think he should do this. Like this is a bad move for Matt Reeves. Like Matt Reeves is at a point where like he's been growing his name as a director and like a person who's like a bankable blockbuster director and like he's gonna put out this shitty Batman movie with his name on it and that's fucking bad but which would be a summer blockbuster yeah, yeah. It'll probably make money yeah yeah it's, it's a batman movie so it's gonna make money whether we like it or not his bank account is going to be yeah. you know looking Lush great it might, it might be bad for you <laughs> i i do have a question though if if let's say the wonder woman movie does isn't a financial success could we maybe say that the following films might not also be a financial success. Like even though it is Batman, if let's say Wonder Woman doesn't make make a return on on the investment, can we say that it's just attributed to the Wonder Woman movie or just a direction as to where the DC extended universe is going? I think if you're asking if you're asking DC, they're gonna say it's because it was Wonder Woman and it's because it's a woman movie 
and it's because it takes place in the World War One era. They'll they'll make all those excuses, but I think if you ask us, like, or if you ask me personally at least, I would say it's because people don't care about this direction that they've gone in. And I think they're soured from movies like Batman, Superman, uh, to some extent also to from Suicide Squad, and I, I I think that they're just not as excited for this stuff as they were three years ago. Uh, I I mean, like, I, I agree with you because I like I know I feel that way, but. I I don't think that that necessarily. I don't think Batman is is going to suffer from that in the same way because I think people will go see a Batman movie no matter what. Oh, he was asking about Wonder Woman. Like, no, no, I'm, but I'm saying oh, no, no, he I said was, after I was Wonder Woman. About, right, right, and right. I think that's true for like Flash or like Captain Marvel or any of those kinds of characters. But I think people will go see a Batman movie no matter what because it's Batman. You, you know. That argument was said for Batman versus Superman is like, well, this is the first time the two biggest comic book characters are on uh, live action film for the first time ever. Right? Well, and the Trinity. Yeah. Well, oh, sure. Um, and they're like, this movie's going to break a billion easily. This is going to be the biggest movie of yeah. all time. And, and it, it had a big weekend, opening weekend for sure. Yeah. But like, like Man of Steel, the word of mouth crushed that movie. Totally. And. While you're right, I think people would see a Batman movie regardless. Um, like, probably. I mean, Batman and Robin kind of killed the franchise and put it in purgatory for, what, eight years? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, that could happen again. It could. And I don't think it's impossible. But I think another thing that's important to think about is, like, international markets are a lot more important than they used to oh, be. Yeah. And Batman and Superman made a lot of its money in international markets where they ultimately don't care if the... And, and this is not like a... And this can come off this way, but this is like a fact and this is not racist or anything like that. But like international, specifically Chinese audiences don't really care if it's a bad plot, if there's a great big budget thing. And like, that's why the Transformers movies do so well there. That's why like they made a lot of the money back on BBS in international developing markets. And I think that like, again, the whole thing of like, even if Wonder Woman flops or whatever, I think people will flock to see a Batman movie. And unless that one sucks again, I, I feel like they got at least one more good one that they can bank on. So, personally, speaking to your point, re- remember last week when we talked about this, I was reading quotes uh, from a director whose name I can't remember right now. And he was saying that the WB executives were saying it doesn't matter because internationally this movie is going to do amazing. Yep. People don't even understand English over there and they're going to go see it. So, if the script isn't great, it doesn't matter. They're going for different reasons. So that is their logic. And whether it's right or wrong, you know, it is what it is. And I think time will tell. Um, I think you're ultimately right. But I'm just saying I think you get at least one more that you can cash in on and make a ton of money on a Batman movie. So moving right along, uh, WB may or may not be doing something right with this next bit of news. Uh, They have tapped Chris McKay, who directed the Lego Batman film, to direct a Nightwing movie. Pretty Finally. cool. Finally. Pretty yeah, cool. I, w- I want to see some nice uh, tight type... What? Oh, Dick Bat too. yeah. <laughs> okay, Kale and Phil just tried to coordinate a high five, and I have never seen something more nerdy. First, <laughs> first let's, give Kale, let's give you the play-by-play. Kale okay. tried to get Phil to acknowledge the fact that they had uh, microphones so that they could high five into the mics. So Phil decides, oh, he wants me to tap his mic. So Phil tapped Kale's mic 
with Phil's mic. <laughs> and then Kale looked at him like, come on, man. Yeah, at least we can all agree I'm not the idiot. Here. No, that wasn't your fault. But it was bad. So, that was... You fucking got bone. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, disgraceful. Shit. I'm actually crying. <laughs> that was really funny. It was, yes. Moving moving <laughs> along. Uh, so, my feelings about the Nightwing film. I love Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, there, I have two thoughts. One is, is this a pivot by DC? Because Nightwing is a light, a more lighthearted character than, than Batman. But he's still in that Batman world. I think people would want to see Nightwing on screen. Uh, is it a pivot by DC trying to make things lighter? Trying to go in maybe a, a different direction? Maybe a younger direction? Uh, alongside some of the stuff that they're going to be doing with The Flash? And then my other thought is, because of the way they've introduced Batman and his world, I like I understand that I haven't seen the movie and they they haven't wrote a script, so I, I don't have the right to ask this question right now. But I have no context for Nightwing at all, and that bothers me. And I know that that's wrong, but that's how I feel. To your first point, Sean, uh, I would want to wait and see like what maybe the script is before making a decision as to like what direction they're going. Because because also we haven't been introduced to Nightwing, so uh, I'm gonna wait and see like how they're sort of positioning the movie until we get that information. So as of now, I'm I'm sort of excited that it's a Nightwing movie in general, but I am a little conflicted because like, I don't know what it's going to entail in the universe, if it's going to be a one-off thing, if it's going to be separate from the universe. So, yeah. Well, yeah. we already know who Nightwing is. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt from The Dark Knight Rises. I would be so okay with that. Yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, I honestly, awesome. I think they're in a really good position to, to make a Nightwing movie, actually. Um, and not to say that I like, disagree with your point, per se, but I guess like my interpretation of it is like, I feel like you're in such a good place because of the advanced age of Batman. We already know that yeah. the, the Jason yeah. Todd event has happened. Yeah, I was going to say his uh, the J. We, there's a Robin suit in a glass case in right in the Batcave in in BBS, right? and it appears yeah. to be Jason Todd. Yeah. yeah, and again, that would make sense given what we know from the comics. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like the idea of you know. Uh, like it's it's pretty easy. Like he's in Bloodhaven, and you know maybe they they don't talk anymore because Bruce is like so a dick. Yeah, and and it's like that interpretation of Batman where he like goes inward and isolates himself from everybody, and you know, and uh, and Dick doesn't want to be dragged down in that because he is a much more optimistic character, and you know he doesn't have that same baggage. I guess <clears throat> I guess that's true. My issue with that is. At the end of Batman, Superman, he's changed, and so so maybe maybe that's part of this. You know, it's like yeah. that's what it is. Is like he's trying to put together the new Justice League or whatever, and he goes to like reconnect with his son. Yeah, yeah. It's like so? shit. If, if these movies were good, that would be awesome. <laughs> Dick Grayson is 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 Bruce Wayne's son? No, I mean, like he's kidding. He's, I think right. The warden, right? Oh no, I'm okay. kidding. Yeah, oh, I'm kidding. There you no, go, sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, like any DC film project that Warner Brothers is producing, it's, it's, it's always like, you're, because the, the well is so poisoned, you're just kind of naturally inclined to be like... You know, We've been burned. We'll, we'll say. Yeah. It's like, I, this sounds cool, but like, if it's in this universe, then like, is it... You know? I mean, like, the director's great. I love him. Lego Movie was awesome. Love that guy. Love Clone High. Uh, 
fucking, I don't know, that seems like a match made in heaven, but are they going to let him make the movie that he wants to make? Like, or is it going to be another camel made by committee of people that think that the international markets who can't understand the script are the most important thing? And yeah, yeah. You know, like, they, I mean, they would be really smart, honestly, like if, uh, to make this a bridge from that failed Teen Titans project that's been floating around god that would be fucking cool on tnt for years now and make it a bridge to the 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 t tvu that would be cool nightwing is as a character i think super accessible for like kids and teenagers he can easily be like presented as like a dc spider-man in a lot of ways um definitely and so like obviously there's infinite potential in something like this um but it's just a lot of love for that character this, you know, I mean, like this is hard to be. It's it's nothing but trepidation because it's Warner Brothers. Yep, that's the problem. It's like I want to be excited about this, but I can't be. Yeah, like I I can't until like I see something. Um, but I actually did want to say really quickly, specific shout out. I think Kale, you two guys, I think would really actually all three of you are fucking huge Nightwing fans and shit. Uh, there's this uh YouTube channel called Ismahawk, and um they do like short films and like all kinds of stuff like that uh that's all like focused around superheroes and like fan film kind of stuff and uh they have a phenomenal nightwing miniseries that was all self-produced by them and uh stars this guy named danny lachep as um as dick and it's it's fucking phenomenal and you guys should really watch it that's cool you'd all really like it um yeah, yeah anyway anyone who's listening fans of nightwing definitely check it out yeah i've seen that that's, it's, it's really, really high quality yeah, yeah it's really good and, like i say like oh fan film and i know like that turns some people off but it's like it's like the Avi Shankor, like, gritty Power Rangers thing that came out, like, last year or whatever. It's, like, that... It's really high quality. Kyle um, just pulled up a picture, and it really does... That does look cool. You can definitely click yeah. the mics to that. Yeah, dude. So, we'll we'll, uh, we'll put a link to that with the news later. Check it out. It's Ismahawk. Danny Shep. Danny Lashep. Uh, really, really good. Nightwing. Cool. Yeah, uh... I do like Nightwing. I do think he would work on film. I think we're overdue for a Nightwing film. I think all that's true. Maybe it's just because uh, I am burnt, but every single time they announce a new project, I'm just like, why? Please stop. Does this make sense? Like, where's yeah. the connect connective tissue? Stop. So. He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, so, Bill Roseman is the director of Marvel Games. And he's been making the rounds lately, talking about all their different projects. Because they're fucking busy. Man. Yeah, they've got a lot of stuff going on. Pete, help me out. It was the Dice Convention. Uh, that the race, Dice Awards. The Dice Awards. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, last Wednesday. Right. And he... Hosted made, by my boy, Greg Miller. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's a good guy. Um, So he made a few comments that I thought were interesting, and I picked them out. So he said, uh, we want every game to be game of the year. We want to give our partners freedom to look at all of Marvel history and to pick from what interests them. We want it to be their vision. Uh, and so they've got a few games coming out right now. Uh, Spider-Man for the PS4. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is being made by Telltale. Uh, the Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite game, which you know not everyone's excited about, but there's buzz. And the Avengers Project by Square Enix. So, well, published by Square Enix, being made by Crystal Dynamics, and um, I feel terrible. Yeah, because you came in hot with that one. I know. I, well, <laughs> I know, right? I knew he, Crystal. He was totally just like, get your stuff together, Sean. <laughs> 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 it wasn't, no, I just wanted to give credit. You know, I'm sorry. Idos, Idos, Idos Montreal. Yeah, baby, I did it. Cool. It's too late. 
Thank you. <laughs> so the reason why I, I brought this up is because he also said that he wants all of their games to be AAA games. He wants game of the year games. Yeah. And I think that that's an approach that's been missing from the Marvel games publishing line for a long time. Yep. Uh, I don't know that they've ever made a game that I would say, at least off the top of my head, that was really great. No, there's not one one video game based on a Marvel property that is even like actually good. Like Ultimate Spider Man. U- Ultimate Spider Man is good, but like it's it's fine. Like if you're right. talking about like on the scale of like game reviews, like I don't think they have one game that's over a seven, even if I enjoy a lot of them. Yeah, that wasn't a triple A game by any standard. Was no, it? I mean like it, like there was a budget for it and everything, but it wasn't like it was it was a sh- a shitty like a double A tier THQ Activision cashing kind of game. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. Th- there's not one Marvel game that has the level of like care and craftsmanship that you see in the in like the first two Arkham games. I, I know that Sean and I have kind of talked about this before, but I feel like you and I both don't necessarily care if a game is like Arkham City quality good necessarily mm. as long as it is good because we want to play games with comic book characters. Yes. Well, and I feel like it's been like a decade since I've been getting consistent like pretty good Marvel games. Yeah, and that's the thing is like where like I uh I mean I'm I'm speaking like as a critic like I I like most of the Spider-Man games that have been released at some capacity, you know, I played most of them, um, but they're not, you know, it's the difference of like, you know, oh, I like this blockbuster popcorn movie, but it's not The Dark Knight, you know, and like, you know, I, I'm with Chalmers, like, I want to see, I want that too. I want the Spider-Man game to come out and be a game of the year contender, you know, like, I don't see why it can't be both. You know, I want a great Spider-Man experience, but I also want it to be, like... I would love to see games that come out like Arkham, where it's, like, you don't need to care about Spider-Man, and, like, the motivation isn't playing because you're a Spider-Man fan. It's because it's actually really good. Aesthetically, it works. Yeah, right, that the presentation is there, and that it's fun, you know? And, like, and then on top of that, if the skin on that is a Spider-Man game, great. I Yeah, uh, I agree with that that sentiment, ultimately. I think I think back to games like... Uh, Avengers Alliance and uh, X Men Legends, which no one would say are you know triple A. They're not game of the year contenders, right? But those are They're my fine. favorite games that they've made, and I wish we could get that stuff. And it mostly has to do. I'm sure nostalgia is a part of it, but it mostly has to do with the ability. Like, there's four of us in this room right now. Yeah, if we could throw on a game and just be four superheroes from the Marvel universe and play together, that would be a lot of fun. Right. And I like I kind of long for those experiences uh, again. Go ahead, Gil. It would be the Scarlet Witch. You would. I'd also love the Scarlet Witch. Why would I be the Scarlet Witch? I thought Kale had a reason. I was just blindly backing him up. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> sort of, I, I, I have a reason, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast. That's fair. Fair enough. To pivot out of that. I'm really I'm scared now. Face. Uh, the thing that I'm hoping to see the difference, though, right, is I want to see the difference between, yeah, X-Men Legends and uh, Avengers Ultimate Alliance were fun enough games with shoddy execution that I would love to see them be like, you know what? people really like those games you know who we should partner with blizzard because they make diablo and those are the good version of that you know or we partner with some indie developer that has a game like that we're like people really like them and they're good let's give them a ton of money and resources and let them make that game and that's what i'm hoping we're gonna see is like it's the same thing they're doing with insomniac we're like all right we want to make a spider-man game who does the best big 
bombastic, open world, fun, uh, you know, funny comedy kind of energy game like that. And it's like, well, Insomniac does does those in droves. Okay, well, great. Let's partner with them. You know, who makes exactly. great third person action games right now? Crystal Dynamics sure does. Okay, well, yeah, I I agree with that. I. I've been dying to see Marvel games treated with respect on that level. Ever since Arkham, man. Yeah, ever since Arkham. um, But I also thought, I mean, I thought Spider-Man 2 was a really great game. Yeah. And I felt like, I mean, at least for that time period, I felt like, yeah, like the quality of the games didn't continue to rise from there. And I always thought that was strange. So that, that Bill's expressing that they have this commitment now to making quality games every, every shot. Like they're always shooting for the moon. That's a great. Sign. Something they're just trying to work with people that are talented and give a shit, and like that's the key to making something quality. You yeah, know? it's not hard to find people that play video games that love Spider-Man. I'm sure, you know. Yeah, and by the way, the Avengers game, we don't know anything about that. It could very well be the kind of game that I'm hoping for. You know, like that's true. I don't know. Yeah, so I hope it's multiplayer. That would be fucking awesome. I'm, that's what I'm dying for. I want to have experiences with my friends. Yeah, couch co-op. Yeah, exactly. I I miss those days. Um, shit man I hope I hope they put it on Switch and we can all link our Switches together and play that would be hot but it won't be because I don't think that's gonna happen but <laughs> probably not uh, so now we're gonna dive into some X-Men news it's been a big X week uh, the X-Men are making a big splash returning to uh, the Marvel comics and also with the film so we're gonna talk about that Kale go ahead I have nine t- comics titles uh, within the year yeah Yes, and we are going to get to that point because that's unbelievable. Um, But first, I want to talk about X-Force because according to Collider, uh, the X-Force film is going to be written by Joe Carnahan. They're making an X-Force movie? Yeah, they're making an X-Force movie. Uh, And he did Smoke and Aces. He did The Grey. He did A-Team. And he's directing Bad Boys 3. And interestingly enough, he wrote the Uncharted screenplay. Um so he's he's kind of got a good thing going on, yeah. and you know you can tell from those movies those cool. are like you know like the the A team you know that's an ensemble cast kind of funny kind of crazy you know uh, uh, this kind of genre movie right this kind of movie the X Force would undoubtedly have Deadpool so this sounds like the kind of guy who should probably be they trying to do like the modern X Force um so like with Wolverine Deadpool Angel Psylocke that team or I highly doubt it um they're introducing that would be fire. It would be. That's a cool team. Yeah, that's actually my favorite X-Men anything. That book? Um, Yeah. That book was fucking sweet, dude. Cable and Domino are being introduced in Deadpool 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's old Deadpool. I haven't been, like, keeping up with it too much just because I like Deadpool 1. I'm going to go see Deadpool 2. Right. So I don't like, you know, whatever. Uh, So I think that when you're talking about what the team will look like, it'll probably include those two people at least. So that's Deadpool, those two, Cable, Domino. And then I would imagine X-23, they're going to find some way to get her in here after Logan. Uh, Wolverine, I'm assuming he'll be recast whoever, by that. Yeah, whoever the new Wolverine is, maybe that's his debut. Yeah. And then maybe one more, you know, random character, that would be the X-Force. That'd be cool. Uh, I, I actually think that that's a really good idea. I think an X-Force film right now makes sense. Because it's something different than just a churn of general X-Men movies. They're taking more risks because the next force movie has to be R-rated. 
uh, at least in my eyes, you can't go. You can't go from having R-rated Deadpool films. Well, I think if you and put them in, then put them in. Logan think, is R too, right? Yeah. So they'll probably do our exports. Yeah, yeah, I think R. so. I, I was like, maybe this is like their way of like they're gonna try to establish two skews where they do like an R-rated movie and then like a family-friendly one where the regular yeah. X-Men movies are all ages kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, what I could also see be really funny. Being really funny is I could see them doing a PG-13 X-Force movie and having the setup for it be like. Dead or uh, Wolverine is totally capable of being a PG thirteen character when there's like kids around. So they give them a younger X Man there that he's gonna try and be like a good example for, and have Deadpool break the fourth wall and be like, "Oh, well, you know, it's not an R rated movie, so I can't say fuck," you know. And like he, they could totally do that. Yeah, like they, they've already established that the movie Deadpool will would do a thing like that. He knows he's in a movie in that movie, so I could totally see them having like a gag where he goes to be like. <gasps> screw you and yeah. you know, like something like that like a, a knowing wink kind of thing that could totally play i think it could play but i also think i want to see oh i want to see it. yeah i want to see i want to see a movie where like i like seeing my wolverine on those kind of missions where he just like is like like dicing people and shit yeah. like that like it's just so that to me is what's so fun about wolverine is the dichotomy of that character is like the guy he is when he's trying to be like a human around the X-Men and like be a, 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 you know, like a father figure to some of these kids yeah. or when he's out there in the field and he's just like unhinged, you know, that's so fun. Absolutely. And uh, I'm blanking on the name of the director of Logan at the moment, but uh, yeah, fact check that. Yeah. Kale. I want to talk about something that he recently said because I thought it was uh, really interesting. Wasn't it about why the costume hasn't been in the movies? That's that we exactly, talked about? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to bring up. So he said that the reason why the costume hasn't been in the film is because... Sorry, Marco? No, the director's name is James Mangold. Thank you, James Mangold. Uh, so James said that the reason that the, he's never involved a costume in any of the uh, Wolverine films that he's made is because he doesn't think that the costume really makes sense for uh, Wolverine because Wolverine is the least narcissistic of all the X-Men. He's focused on getting the mission done and he's focused on you know whatever his adventure is. He's not going to put a costume on to make a statement. And while I ultimately agree with that in solo context, so for the movies that James Mangold has made, that makes total sense. When he is with the X-Men, that's not who he's being. He's being a superhero just like the rest of them. And it's important for him to wear a costume because it sends a positive message to humans that the, that mutants are safe and it sends a message to mutants that there are mutants out there who are trying to do the right thing. For you. Honestly, for me, I actually, and I, I totally agree with that sentiment. I've, I've made that point in the podcast before is why I think Wolverine's costume is important. I think it's even more so that it's it's less the necessarily the message he's trying to send to like uh, like people. I think it's to the X-Men. It's that, like, if he's going to be a leader, like, the le- like everybody wears a uniform, and even the leader, even the guy who is the rough-around-the-edges badass who, you know, like, but he suits up like everybody else, and I think it's, like, it's respect for Xavier. It's how he shows he's a team player. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, is, like, he is a team player, you know? And, like, I don't know. I, I think that's an important part of his character, is is that the difference between those two versions of Logan. I've, o- I've, I've always seen it as, like, uh, for me, at least, Wolverine doesn't necessarily like the costume. He's not wearing it because he necessarily wants to, but because he is part of a unit, he's part of the pack, and so for that reason, he he like he has to wear it. He it's forced upon him, not necessarily that he wants to. Um, but uh, so for that reason, I, I've always seen like the uniform isn't as important for me, at least, to Wolverine as a character 
because he just wears it because he's part of the unit at that, at that time. Like, you know, he'll wear his stripes when he's fighting in the war. He'll wear his uniform when he's fighting with the X-Men, but not necessarily because of the, um, because he wants to wear it. It's just because of that loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a matter of respect. Yeah. Ultimately, not 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 just him wanting to wear the costume and to sort of show another an appearance, but just uh uh out of respect and out of participating in the like unit. solidarity, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, go ahead. I was just—I think that's why uniforms exist. Yeah, you know, it's to make you like you feel like a unit, you know, and like I think that's important. He's also a very honor-bound character, right? Like he he had a lot very of experiences so. in Japan and mm-hmm. you know samurai stuff, samurai stuff. Yeah, so like those things are really important to him. And I think you're right, Marco, in that the message the message that he's sending by wearing it is more important than whatever it means to him, which is probably not a lot to necessarily have that costume on. But the message that he sends by putting it on is important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think especially given his reputation as like a rebel and everything, like him putting that on and not having it be like a begrudging thing is like that is that sign of respect. Yeah, and of and how much the X Men mean to him, you know, and how much the yeah. uniform means that it's not about the uniform; it's about the team think, and about Charles. I think. Yeah, I think I think it, I mean this is like a constant theme in X Men comics, but oftentimes it's more to do with his respect and admiration for Xavier more so than his actual team dynamic. Now, while he is like a mentor to several younger mutants, he often clashes with the main group. Um, And, you know, there's always points of friction, especially if you go back and read early Claremont stuff. You know, the whole vibe is, I go where I want to go, bub. Yeah. Like, he's always clashing with the team dynamic uh, because clearly in those days, it's not a uniform so much as it's like just a gaudy superhero costume since the 70s. but I think it. I think generally it's more about his respect for Xavier. Yeah, and his ideals too. I think yeah. you know the ideals of the X Men, which is something that I think he clearly believes in. Yeah, otherwise he wouldn't be there for Xavier. Right, exactly. Why would he be there? Like that's the whole thing. Is like Wolverine goes wherever he wants, and obviously he wants to be with the X Men. Like that's important. You know, I think that's really the core of the. I think this is what makes him so likable is that like he has a sensitive side to him that like he does care about people and, and ideals in a I way that you wouldn't expect him. It. I don't think he ever needed to. <laughs> so now that we've established that Wolverine is a good guy, uh, let's talk about a bad guy. Let's talk about Deadpool. Uh, I don't know if Deadpool's a bad guy. Always. Uh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, he's kind of like... He's not a great guy. No. no. He's not a good guy. He's, he's not, not a bad, bad guy. guy. <laughs> he's, he's the guy. guy. <laughs> We're lame. Uh, so, clash microphones? No, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. So, according to comicbook.com, uh, Drew Goddard, who directed um, or was the showrunner for Daredevil, the Netflix series, um, which was hype, he directed Cabin in the Woods, and he was a big part of Buffy. Uh, he's writing the script for Deadpool 2. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, the writers cool. from the first one, uh, Paul Warnick and Rhett Reese, are taking a back seat this time around. No word whether that's a permanent deal or if he's just writing a treatment and they're going to come in and you know finish it after yeah, yeah punch it up um the movie's scheduled to start filming may 1st though which is pretty interesting because this could be this could be a you know a case of old news but if drew goddard is only starting to write the script now then he doesn't have a whole lot of time to finish the movie yeah i mean he, he probably already like turned in a draft you know yeah like if, if they're announcing it i'm sure it's probably they're pretty far in 
You know, like if they already have that ready to go, yeah, maybe they're already working on the second treatment of it, kind of thing. You know, yeah, that could be possible. Uh, the reason why I thought this was interesting to talk about is because I wonder if it if it's significant of any friction back there because I know with Deadpool two already they lost the director from the first film, yeah, uh, because of clashing with. Uh, he also Ryan got. Reynolds. He also got another job. Like they sniped him. He he's going to be directing that Sonic movie that's coming out. Okay, let's you know veer away from that. So Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, so any more thoughts about the second film? Looking forward to it. I really hope that it opens. I really hope it opens up as Deadpool three. Like the title screen is just like the the, the last of the trilogy. <laughs> But it's Deadpool too. <laughs> I would love that. That was that was that was, a, that was a joke. Mel Brooks was uh, bouncing around for Spaceballs. It was like big, big Spaceballs three. Yeah, yeah, that'd be funny. I'd be into that. So, as Kale alluded to earlier, uh, the X Men are back in a big way. Uh, as of May, there will be nine X books on the stand, and that doesn't even count Deadpool. Shit! Um, oh wow! Really? Yeah. 11, 11 X-Men comics will release the month of May. And they're just X-Men books? Like, they're not, like, crossovers with something else? Like, just not X-Men members books. of the X-Men or... Well, members of the X-Men. So, uh... Solo books? Jean Grey has a solo title. Oh, I should leave with that. Oh. Hey! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! It, boys. Well, That's guys, it. I don't like the way this is, this is becoming Whoa. very accusatory. I think we, I think we just, uh... Saw the sides here, Sean. <laughs> I think so too. Do I have to? I'm gonna like. I don't even like Jean Grey, but I'll be on your side. You guys are gonna have to tread lightly. I don't like Jean Grey, but I'll defend to the death your right to love her. Thank you. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on. That's not the question. You have every right to love her. You're wrong for doing so. You should have ever right really? to do it. Oh, Am I? listen, Kale. Oh, shit. Listen, Kale. We got two couches right here that fold out. We could put these together. And I, you and I, I could like have an old-fashioned wrestling like match. Oh, wrestling. <laughs> I thought this was going in a different direction at first. <laughs> Come on, guys. Please go on. This is a PG show. Uh, so, Weapon X is another title. You're right. I'm endeavoring for it to be a PG show, but you guys are just... Dicks, balls. <laughs> it's not that type of show. And then it's that happens. Show. So, uh, And then X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue, which is kind of like a a, a cool callback to the 90s era of there being two different teams and stuff like that. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I'm a big X-Men fan, massive, massive fan. Uh, and I, I, I felt for many years that they were getting the short end of the stick on Marvel's publishing line. I felt like their stories weren't very impactful. Um, they weren't relevant anymore in the way that they had been. And they were just being hunted all the time and, and, marginalized um one interesting thing that i did learn though is that throughout all this time where the avengers have kind of risen up over the last like 15 years the x-men were still selling amazingly so even when there were only like three x-men books being published they were still amongst marvel's best sellers kill the x-men baby that's right and so that kind of opens the door for a larger conversation that i want to have about the importance of the x-men and not just uh, cult- so culturally, right? But but also as far as comics are concerned, uh, how relevant they've been through the television shows that they've had and the video games and all that kind of stuff. I just want to celebrate the X-Men a little bit. Sure. And I think the, the easiest way to start that is through a, a conversation about these comics and the resurgence of them. How do you guys feel about that and them kind of coming back into prominence? Well, I had a question. Is, um, I mean, we've seen the last 
like what three to four to five years, the X Men comics being significantly marginalized. Uh, why is this happening? Or in favor of the Inhumans. So yeah. So, so why is this happening now? Why are we getting so this yeah? So what? So what you're referring to? Is, oh, is why are they now yeah. switching back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you see, yeah. So what you're sort of referring to is like the the big uh, conspiracy theory that uh, uh, because Fox won't let up uh, the rights on the X Men and the Fantastic Four, Marvel has just completely almost denied their existence, and they're trying to completely wipe out the X Men. There, are, there is no Fantastic Four title. Uh, ben Grimm is with the Guardians now. Who knows where Mr. Fantastic is? Right. I think uh, Sue Richards is working for uh, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. And the Human Torch is hanging out with the Indians. Um, so, yeah, my my guess would be that if, you know, if, if the X-Men are still performing as well as they were, like, you can't, like, one, either that conspiracy isn't true, or two, like you can just plainly see that if the X Men are performing as well as you know Sean just said they are, then you Marvel would just be fools not to continue. To yeah, you're leaving money on the table that way. Like yeah. obviously the Inhumans aren't gonna fucking happen. Yeah, like we're not yeah. interested in them. Yeah, especially not this late in the game. Yeah, it's like they've been pushing that agenda for like three or four years now. Yeah, and it's obviously just not worked. And like they canceled the Inhumans movie, and I think that's telling of their what they their perception of how replacing the X Men with the Inhumans is working out. And I don't think it is. Well, but they have put on uh, uh, an Inhumans TV show. Sure. Yeah. And I don't. I don't think they're like gonna bail on the Inhumans now or anything yeah. or undo that work. But I think them trying to push the Inhumans as like a replacement for the X Men is clearly not yeah. working. So. I agree with that, and I think as far as the conspiracy goes, um, I think it's... I hate to say this, but I think it's probably true, at least to some degree. I think so, too. I I, I would probably agree to a marketing standpoint. I would bet it floated around, you know, the offices or whatever, but, like, yeah, to me, it it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but for, for example, I used to play a game called Marvel Avengers Alliance, which was a Facebook game. And at some point, they just stopped putting X-Men in the game. The X-Men was the largest group of characters that they just that were missing. And there was no reason, no viable excuse for why those characters weren't there. And the creators never talked about it. So they Marvel released, uh, like, every few years, they released a big poster of their characters. And, the, like, the last two did not have any of the characters that the film rights are currently owned by Fox. The poster was missing all X Men characters and none of the Fantastic Four characters. So, yeah, I mean, it is a conspiracy theory, but there's where there's smoke, there's fire. I think. I think. I think the big thing too is like, it's a little easier to argue the legitimacy of the conspiracy when you look at the X Men because the X Men still exist and are coming back. But like the Fantastic Four, like it's very clear. Like they were like, you know what, Fantastic Four hasn't sold since Hickman left, and we don't own the rights. Fuck them. Yeah, and nobody and nobody yeah. misses them. Hey, whoa! Yeah, that's not true. Okay. I, I miss not them. That, not that nobody misses them, but there's obviously it's not the same. Where like the outcry, and I don't mean I don't dislike the Fantastic Four. That's all I'm trying to say. But the passion for them being gone is not the same as for the X Men. The the outrage about the conspiracy is always focused around the X Men, not the Fantastic Four, because I don't think mo- I don't think most people care about them in the same way. I actually happen to think that Secret Wars was a, a goodbye to 
the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. The X-Men weren't all gone, but they got rid of Cyclops. They got rid of Wolverine. They got rid of the major players. Professor X. Professor X. Yeah, he's been gone. And yeah, since AVX, but... And Mr. Fantastic is the only one of the Fantastic Four that's nowhere to be found. Yeah. And he was the leader. Uh, so I think they're... I think and they're divided. Yeah. And they're, and they're not exactly... They're, they're not, not a team anymore. Right. They're just wherever they are. They don't even acknowledge their history. So I think that that was a concerted effort. And I think Secret Wars was designed for that. Uh, but I also think that this relates back to what we were, we've were we been talking about over the past few weeks, which is that Marvel has received enough negative feedback about their production line that they're like, okay, we need to go back to what we were doing. Yeah. And so bringing the X-Men back this way also ties into them wanting to bring back, you know, the original Captain America, Thor, Iron Man with the gen- the Marvel Generations project. I think even more specifically, like the thing that you pointed out earlier was how a lot of these new books are very, very clearly like callbacks to yeah. books that were popular in the nineties. Yeah, and I think it's it's they're going to get that nostalgia dollar of like, and I, they'll, honestly, I'll probably bite too because I love the X Men. Uh, where like, oh well, I sure liked I sure liked that whole there being two X Men teams. I kind of want to pick up those number ones and see what that's about, you know? And like, they're that's it's clearly what they're trying to do. Yeah. I totally agree, yeah. uh, and I think I think that's best for business. <laughs> but uh, I mean, honestly, honestly, I don't have a negative thing to say about this. I think it's smart fiscally, and I think it's smart for the fans because it's what we ultimately want. And we've gone, but we've had this conversation many times. But I, I want the X Men. Well, want I, actually, this is one of those things where I'm on your side of that fence, though, because like I do think that the like. Concert the, what I believe is a concerted effort to expunge the X Men and the Fantastic Four is not a good thing. So, like, I, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, you're gonna just basically give us callbacks to the what I think is the high point of the of the X Men, which is like I, I've, I've made the case like I think a lot of '90s comics are not very good, but like that was when the X Men were at their peak in terms of like cultural relevance. I think. There's good yeah. books. I mean, there's good X Men books from the '90s. No, yeah, that's my point. Claremont and Jim Lee stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like Chris Claremont's run was awesome in the nineties. Like, and there's so yeah, oh my god, yeah, and there are so many great characters introduced during that time period. Ecstatics. You know, um, well, Ju- Jubilee, uh, fucking, I don't know, man. Um, so yeah, I I think doing a callback to a golden age for those characters and giving giving people exactly what they want, but hopefully telling some new stories is yeah, it's a smart move. Sean, I have a question. So I fucking love the Ultimate X Men when it was like around and that like you said like the whole like theme of the X-Men being persecuted. I love that about that book of, like, Kitty Pride leading this, like, underground group of X-Men, and they're all kids, and, like, all the adults are dead, and they're yeah. just like, what the fuck do we do? And Kitty's like, well, I'm 16, so I guess I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that book as a kid. Like, it was so edgy. Like, Blobby oh, and Wasp, and that wasn't that wasn't in the book, though. That was in Ultimate X-Men. Yeah. What? I thought we were talking about Ultimate X-Men. Well, I'm talking about Ultimate Comics X-Men, which uh, was after all those characters died in Kitty Pratt took over. But even that blob-eating wasp didn't happen in Ultimate. That was an Ultimatum. It happened in Ultimatum. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. But I was going to ask you a question, Sean. Shoot. Uh, these nine X-Men titles, are there any that... like, Are any, are any of the titles have any creatives attached that stand out to you? Uh, yeah, but they stand out for the wrong reasons. Uh, for me... I don't love. I don't love at all what Cullen Bunn has done with the X Men. Really, he's a real vanilla writer. He's very vanilla. He's what? Yeah, and I know you like him, Marco. He's got a fan base. That's why they're giving him all these titles. I don't think he's particularly. He doesn't light me on fire. 
I think, yeah, I think the same could be said about Jeff Lemire and his superhero work. A lot of it's like he's a his, yeah. his indie stuff right. is amazing, and I'm sure you would say the same thing, Marco, about Colin Bunn. But, yeah, I was gonna I mean, say, yeah. A lot of times that just gets lost in the the corporate garbage. I think that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my point too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, Pete, you you seem very animated about your love for the X Men over the years. Can you talk about how you became a fan of them and why they're so important to you? Sure. Um, uh, I mean, I think I think we've talked about this a little bit in the like origins episode and stuff. But I mean, a big part of my relationship to comics is uh, rooted in cartoons. And I mean, like in the, in the nineties, um, you know, the characters that were King in my mind, uh, and I think in the cultural mind anyways, was Spider-Man, the X-Men, Batman and Superman. And like, they all had great shows on television. They all had video games. They all had, they, I read the comics. I, that's how I got into comics was because I, I watched, uh, all the Spider-Man shows. I watched X-Men Evolution on WB Kids, um, uh, which is, uh, Fight Me is the far superior X-Men show. And I'll, Yep, yep, Thank I agree, you. Agree. Yes, Millennial yeah, Degrassi X Men is so much better yeah. than anything else. It actually has like story teen drama and yeah. story. It's like all the things that actually make the X Men good, not just the tights and the powers. And those things are fun. But X Men Evolution is dope. Sorry, I think it's age poorly. I don't. I like that as a kid. I, just I nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm just like a. I'm just like a thing of milk, and <laughs> you age like milk. Yeah, a baby. thing of milk. X-Men, yeah, X-Men could, Evolution is a final For whatever line. reason, the word carton could not come to mind there. But anyway. The original um, X-Men show, the animated series, I think that's the money, baby. Oh, I totally disagree. I think that show is so overrated and rose-colored nostalgic glasses. But that's an argument for another episode. I mean, I guess not. This, this is, is the, the X-Men, Evo- X- X-Men episode. This is the X-Men episode, but it was Pete's platform. I, I'd like to celebrate the things I like about the X-Men. Um, so, I mean, th- that was a big thing for me was just that the X-Men uh, was like the first comic that I ever like regularly read was um, was actually X Force, and uh, I read Excalibur too as well. And I, I just it was the same reason that I think that Peter Parker is is such a uh, win winning character is that it's when you're a kid and you like comics or you like superheroes or whatever. Um, the X Men are perfect. You know, it's like there's an X Men for everyone. You know, it's like there's it doesn't matter who you like. But there's one of them that you're like, I like, I'm like them, or I like their powers, or whatever, and you have that point of entry, and uh, you know, like that's uh, the teen dynamics and everything. There are just such a big part of those books, and and I just love them because they spoke to me. You know, it was like I was reading about kids, and they had kid problems, and they worried about you know, like feeling like outsiders, and um, just having that feeling of like wanting to belong to something. And I, I think those are just very, you know, um, they're very human stories and and they're things that all kids feel and all kids identify with and i think the multiculturalism was a huge thing too you know is that like i grew up in a place that was very like ethnically diverse and it was cool to look at the x-men and see something that tried to be a microcosm anyway and and represent people of all different uh creeds and stuff like that you know and and it was just it always spoke to me you know i think it's easy to like the x-men and i think there's a reason that they've endured and why they're so popular is like they're just very they can speak to anybody. If you if you're an edge lord, there's a million edge lord X Men. If you like Silver Age, you know poppy kind of comic book characters, they got them in droves too. You know, and I think that's the fact that it all works and that they all feel like part of the same collective is what is so cool about the X Men. You know, it's like the X Men can be whatever you need them to be. Kale, yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, I I am very excited about this too. Um, 
I I have never been one to really follow the X Men. Um, I was kind of, I was sort of on board when Bendis took over, um, and you know I've gone back and forth, I've kind of waffled with the uh, the you know the back in time, the lost in time X Men. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I can't really decide how I feel about that, but. I I have I, I legitimately have always been an X Men fan. I'm a Cyclops fan. Um, Let's go, Kale. <laughs> I love that you're a Cyclops fan, but you're so vehemently not a fan of Jean Grey. Thanks. It's so now, funny. Now 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 I'm mad at Kale again. That's BS, <laughs> dude. Yeah, and now here's the real main topic of the show. <laughs> what the fuck is your problem, I, Kale? I, I think this topic is a secret veil to basically air grievances, basically. <laughs> dude, the only grievances I have are with people who have grievances about me liking Jean Grey. That you don't you know what, dude? I don't even want to hear you say that anymore. I think, I think, ex- executive decision. I think we should put a moratorium on anything negative about Jean Grey. Whoa! Yeah, All right, President Trump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking over. Any, any I'm flexing any, now. Any Jean Grey news is fake news. <laughs> no. Any polls you hear about the popularity of Jean Grey are fake. <laughs> Kale's fake. Uh, well, that's Kale, not- you are fake news. <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> <not trying> <laughs> so when I was yeah. when I was a kid, and it was actually a huge uh, part of my like growth as like a writer, I did a uh, an X Men text based like role playing game, um, and it was it was huge. I had uh, I was this uh, this human torch like character, and I was terrible at it. Everything I did was you know a rip off of something else, and but I mean that's how you learn, right? And it was it was amazing to me how I could have, I could be doing stuff with like you know our group's X Men and we were the X Men, but I could have so much of my own stuff going on, and that was you know that's always been how the X Men are to me you know the drama with Cyclops and Jean and Emma and however many other Wolverine women. yeah and Wolverine <laughs> and Madeline Pryor and right. the countless others. Uh, and then Iceman, and then Kitty Pride, and Colossus, and they all have their own really dynamic characters, even though they're such a huge team. Um, one of my complaints for a long time was that uh, there's just so much to the X Men, and I still think that's true. Uh, but like, I, I've always been there for the reason that Pete is like the X Men can be whatever you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right with you. Um, I, I'm sorry. I just want to make one last point based on that, and I think that it's like so exemplified by the two honorary like B leaders of the team being Cyclops and Wolverine, who are two men who are like completely at odds, completely always in competition with each other and stuff like that. But they're part of the same organization, you know, and they're both just as good an X Man as the other. Right. I think that's that speaks volumes about that organization. Well, you know? also, yeah, and also Storm who beats both both of them. Storm is the fucking right. best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and and also speaking to that point, like even though Cyclops and Wolverine have had it out many times, they're their Storm has always come out on top. Absolutely. And they've always managed to stay a team when when they're when it's in defense of their people. Yeah. You know, so so I, I really do appreciate that about I think a characters. sense of self sacrifice is kind of a major theme in the X Men too. Like yeah. the idea of like putting uh the needs of the many, you know, like yeah. for your group or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Phil? So the X Men were the most influential IP in comics 
and my interest in the graphic medium. You're saying for you? For me, okay, personally. Yeah. Um, I got into comics because I saw a Nightcrawler action figure at my local comic shop, and I was like, this guy looks really cool. Um, and I want to start reading these books. And that's what I did. I read like pretty much anything X-Men can get a hand on. Um, they they were my foray into Marvel. Marvel was really where I started in comics. Um, and since then, I've I feel like I've read more X Men than any other property in comics. Probably, probably. Um, wow. Yeah, well, that's I, a surprise. When I think about it, they're my number two, and not by much. I, only uh, right behind Spider Man. I've I've read every issue of Claremont's X Men. Um, from 1975 to 1994, I think. I'm right behind you, dude. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah. I didn't know um, you were uh, that into the X-Men. I wasn't, but we, we can get to that after Phil finishes. Sure, sure, sure. But, yeah. Um, super formative, and it's not just the X-Men. Like, There's some Excalibur is a terrific book. Um, New Mutants is spectacular. Um, Ecstatics. Is Peter that Peter Milligan book? That's incredible, uh, and of course, no surprise here. But it's the last good X Men book, and for my money, um, is more. We already talked X-Men. about Ultimate X Men. <laughs> good one. I don't think I don't think Ultimate. I didn't like that as a kid, even if it was this edgy Grimlord shit. But that's just me. Um, I will say this: it was the it was one of the first books that I collected in volumes. Me too. I love that comic. Uh, Ultimate Comics, the rebranding of it is definitely better, but I like the original Ultimate X-Men run quite a bit. Um, it is definitely grim and gritty, but that's the Ultimate Universe. Um, that just wasn't my cup of tea. Also, that was the first book I ever read by Robert Kirkman, and I didn't realize it until years later that he had had, a, he had like a 20 or 24-ish year run. He read it for like two years, and like I was like, oh shit, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the Morrison run, and, and for my money, it's the last great run of the X-Men. Um, Everything since then has either been trying to recreate Claremont shit or has this been rudderless in my mind. Um, I don't know if the X-Men books, especially the last like five years, have defined, I think, my larger issue with Marvel at large, but they just haven't been good in my mind. Which is? This is... Um, there's, it, there, it's bland. It's it's less. It feels less character-driven. Um, it... it Less hard. I don't know. It's hard to quantify, um, but I think that for twenty years, this was a title and a series that just always had legs under it. Um, I think Claremont re- de- redefined the medium, like the, the soap opera style books of the seventies and eighties was super distinct. Um, with that all said, uh. I want to highlight one of my favorite books, which is the uh, Claremont and um, Miller uh, Logan Wolverine book where he goes to Japan. Oh, yeah. I think it's a four-issue mini. Um, I think that example, like we've been talking about that was the That was the introduction of Dakin, right? Oh. Was it? Or was that, was that one of the later stories? I think that was later. Was later, okay. yeah. I love that series, too, by the way. I love, all, I love anytime Wolverine's in Japan. Yeah. Was that was like why I was so hyped about the Wolverine. It's like, oh, cool, we're gonna get Wolverine in Japan, and it's like, it's fine. It's kind of, I guess it's like the Batman thing in a way that I don't really talk about. That I have this deep rooted love for the X Men, just like Batman. Typically, usually, is like 
I feel like both X-Men and Batman are pretty well represented stuff. Because most of the time you're called to the map for Superman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same way, though. Where it's like, I, I identify as like a Spider-Man fan, so that's always the character I want to celebrate. But like, the X-Men were just as formative for me. You know, like, yeah. I, yeah. I loved the X-Men when I was a kid, and I've always loved the X-Men. And Evolution is a good show. I, I don't want to detract from it. The show is really good. But I, I, So many people hate on it, and I don't think it's fair. It's got my favorite version of Cyclops, I think. I do, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's the only one where, like, I, I, I don't know. I like He's a person. And, yeah. like, I really actually feel for him, and I don't feel mm-hmm. like there's any of the problems I end up having with the character are not present. My favorite version of Cyclops is the Morrison version. I think he's got... I think that's the most what? interesting character. Phil. <laughs> Phil, you like Grant Morrison? I appreciate your admiration for me. <laughs> uh, but like, I hope one day we get Grant on the show and we can like get him to do a, get him to do his own version of him imitating you imitating him. It'd be funny if can we had we a conversation. A shitty Phil Like if we had an interview with Grant Morrison interviewing Grant, Grant Morrison. Morrison interviewing Grant Morrison. That'd be yeah. funny. Okay. I'm the Grant Morrison of us, too. <laughs> oh, my God. He would probably do that. And he'd, he'd eat that shit up. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay. So, go ahead. Yeah. But um, uh, I know this is a contentious conversation on the podcast, but I really like like five of the X-Men movies um, a lot. I like five of them, probably. Yeah. The first two, the next two in the reboot, and then Wolverine. Yeah. I don't even think I've seen five X-Men movies. <laughs> really? I've definitely seen one, two, three, and Days of Future Past. Did you see either Wolverine movie? Is it do those count as X-Men movies? Or uh, yeah, I would, movies? So. Okay. I would say so. Okay. Alright, then yeah, I guess yeah. I've seen five. X Family. Yeah. Yeah. Then like maybe Deadpool. Yeah, sure. That was the best X-Men movie. I don't like that we've been over that, but I'm not crazy about that movie. My my actually my one criticism of the I'm Deadpool not a Deadpool movie, guy. Not before we get I don't want to get too down that rabbit hole. I like Deadpool just fine. I think Deadpool's super overrated. I think like a lot yeah. of the early Deadpool stories oh, are yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um and I think he has a lot of really great supporting characters that he has complicated and often interesting relationships with. Um my one thing with that movie is and I I liked it quite a bit, but I feel like it it has a bit of an identity crisis where it's not sure if it really, really wants to, like, go balls deep on being a Deadpool movie, or if it wants to try and kind of make him a little bit more conventional. And I, I think that it meets somewhere in the middle and in a way that's satisfying, but I think it it, it doesn't go too far enough. <laughs> Sounds like a Fox movie. I, when it comes to Deadpool... <laughs> yeah, you're right. Suck comment, on that, Phil. Joe Kelly did a pretty good run on Deadpool, and, like, he actually gave the character depth. But, is it Jeff Lemire who did the first? Or I think it was something totally different. I don't think it was Lemire, but Joe Kelly did, who like did the late first 90s, Wolverine. early 2000s Deadpool, and they were pretty good. But then Daniel Way took over Deadpool, and that's what exploded the character's popularity, but it was yeah. all Family Guy shit, this Chibi Chunga LOL yeah. type fucking yeah. bullshit, and yeah. I fucking hate it. I hate the LOL so random humor. Yeah, I get you. I want to get Marco's perspective on the X-Men. Yeah, um... So for me, uh, I've told you guys in the past, I uh, I first like was introduced to comics through the movie Spider-Man, um, through the movies of Spider-Man, and to a lesser extent, X-Men. <clears throat> there were always a, a property that I wanted to get into. And actually, the first comic trades that I ever got when I did start trying to get into the X-Men were uh, Astonishing X-Men Volume 1 and 2. Um and there's just too much story there 
uh, in terms of like what had happened previously. I was really lost. Uh, it was also my first foray into comics, so I had no context into who these characters were. I didn't know their history. Um, there was just a lot there. <clears throat> and so um, because of that, I, I, I was disinterested. And so I went to like standalone uh standalone books like batman but i don't i've always wanted to go back and i've always wanted to reach a point where i understand what's going on in that book specifically so uh maybe i'm say like a year or two two back i actually got all of the every single issue of x-men so the stanley jack kirby stuff all the way up until um the late the last issue was like number six two something or whatever i think it was or probably less but um so since then i've read all of them up until about i think i'm on like two something uh and they're just i, I skipped some of the earlier ones because I, I felt like they were poorly done the the, the really early stuff I, I didn't much enjoy them and um but what I what I did enjoy was uh, Giant Size X Men number one that was awesome and from there I, I was hooked on them and I've uh, I still read them uh, like on and off trying to catch up because ultimately my goal is to uh, was to understand what was going on in Astonishing X Men volumes one and two so uh, it's a slow process but I've been reading the X Men uh, and Pete X Men Evolution is dope dude the best yeah um so yeah they're they're my first comic and because of that they sort of triggered a need for me to start at the beginning of a series and then get to the end i just want to say though that anecdote is so funny to me because i think that exemplifies like why people are so afraid to get into comics you picked up your first comic and you're like i don't have any idea what's happening i'm gonna spend the next five years of readership trying to catch up on all the x-men so i understand what was happening in the first comic i ever bought basically that 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 was it. That's what, like what started me. Is like, all right, I need to know what happened like at the beginning because I don't I don't get any of this. I I can't just start a story and not have the gaps filled in because for me I don't feel like I'm enjoying it completely as having that history. So I think the X Men are particularly hard to jump in on like randomly like that because there are so many characters and their relationships are so important. Yeah, and the the book that I picked up was I think Professor X was dead or something, and he had. They had he had just come back to life, and also, uh, what's her face? Uh, the diamond chick. She was yeah, yeah she was leading the X Men, and and she was having a rela- she she was in a relationship with Cyclops, and I was confused because in the movies, it was Jean Grey, and it was always alluded to as Jean Grey. Ek, um, was it Wolverine wasn't there? So all these characters that I knew about weren't reflected in the comics and so because of that, i was just completely lost as as a reader i was just i i i couldn't i couldn't go forward with that book it actually bothered me a lot when i first like picked up a an x-men comic that was you know like in the 2000s it bothered me a lot that they were together that that emma and, and cyclops were a thing I, no it was it was <laughs> It was jarring, not not just because Gene wasn't in the picture, but because I didn't like like Marco. That was out of nowhere. I didn't I didn't know anything about right. their relationship in the comics, so I was just like, "What the hell?" I don't think it was for us. 
Mm, yeah, I have I have uh, mixed feelings about Emma Frost, uh, but I definitely don't like her for cycle. Was it? Uh, I think it was Uncanny X Men that Joss Whedon had that that run on, right? Astonishing. It was astonishing. Yeah. Okay, it was astonishing. That's probably exactly what you're talking about, then, right? Yeah. It is. Yep, okay. Exactly it. Yeah, that was the one run where I remember I was like, ah, I still don't like Emma, but like, she's she's pretty good in that book. Oh, and 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 Beast was like a cat. Yeah, yeah. Like a cat. Uh, so I was just like, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand any like a secondary mutation. Yeah, yeah. Started becoming more lion like. Yeah. yeah, super weird. There was like a whole subplot where like his, it was like wife or girlfriend at the time. There was like a whole like question of like, uh, like a legal case or something like that that happened in the books. Like if she, if it was like bestiality because he was yeah, like yeah, yeah, so yeah. much like an animal. Yeah. So weird. That was so weird. So that was that was my introduction, man. And you know, have any of you guys ever seen the Astonishing X Men motion comic that they yeah. did? It's pretty good. I solid. really, yeah. It's 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 fine. It's okay. It's basically the same thing. And again, it, like, if I see it now, I still don't know what's going on. You know, it's exactly <laughs> that. So. Well, yeah it it came out at the same time as the uh, Spider Woman. Yes, one. yes, um, which was good too. Which was good. They made a Thor one too. Yeah, they had Black Panther one as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, so for me with the X-Men, I, I mean, like most of the rest of you, I got into them from the, uh, animated series, you know, the initial one. X-Men Evolution. No, <laughs> I was, I was a little old at that point. Uh, um, and that show really spoke to me. And I don't entirely know why. Uh, cool. I mean, it was, yeah, it was very <laughs> cool. Uh, but there was a killer theme song. Yeah. That theme song, man, was rocking. Um, <laughs> We did that in perfect sync, and I love it. We didn't plan that at all. We're not even looking at each other. <laughs> we're not. We're not even in the same state. That's very true, guys. I regret this. <laughs> <laughs> so I had all the toys. I had like every X Man character that there was. Uh, and as Cyclops, you you didn't have him. No, I never never found him. I don't think I ever. No, I've never had an X Men toy. Really? Yep. Well, I know I what I gotta I get either. you to Christmas for now. Yeah, um, Sean's Sean's gonna get Kale a Jean Grey toy. You're damn right oh I am. My you're God. damn right I am. I would fucking love you guys. That. You guys wait until the Christmas episode because oh we're gonna Can we do Secret Santa. I'm booking <laughs> it now. So cool. We're gonna we're gonna do Secret Santa, and I'm gonna rig it so I get Kale. Sean puts it together, so he's just like, okay, yeah. I I'm gonna get Kale and I'm gonna give you a Jean Grey toy and you're gonna thank me should, on the you air. You gotta get him a Jean Grey like statue. Like one of the ones like that. I have for Invincible. Like, I'll do it. I don't like even have one and I'll get it like, for Kale. Nice ass statue. Yeah. You're and gonna, you're gonna thank me. You're gonna Kale watch me throw it off my roof. <laughs> don't you dare. And then you're gonna watch me quit the comics pile. That's when just, no, <laughs> Kale just like, he's just like, eh, and he just re gifts it to you Ooh. for the next Christmas episode. <laughs> I know you like this, buddy. It's Sean's Low. birthday, and he gives him the same statue back. Low. Phil's Phil's gonna get me as a secret Santa, and he's just gonna give me like a potted plant. <laughs> no, I'm gonna give you a big pile of lube. Okay, <laughs> so anyway, I was talking about a how big much, much pile of lube. How much like when you take lube out of a tube, you can't put it back. That's what just happened. We can't, we can't ever get that second row. I really, I really want. Go I want to talk about X Men appreciation and not that. Bon Jovi um, and Lube. No, bon neither Jovi one of those things. Okay, sure. So thanks. Uh, so when I was when I was watching the show, the two characters that stuck out to me the most were Cyclops and Jean Grey. 
that should surprise no one. Uh, Beast was important to me. Love Beast. Yeah. Um, Wolverine. And then I stopped being a fan of his. Storm was also really important to me, although I think she's underutilized on that show. Uh, but Cyclops and Jean really stuck out to me. Uh, something you said, I think, on the last episode or the episode before, Pete, was that boys like Jean because, you know, for, for reasons that, you know, Oh, yeah. I wasn't even, like, talking specifically about Jean Grey, but I was talking about uh, a lot of just, like, the big two's female characters yeah. that, like, I don't think that they resonate with women. Right. They resonate with boys because they're, they're like, a boy's idealized version of a woman, not a woman. Yeah. So, for, for me, I've always... I'm a lifelong fan of the character, and what I always liked about her, uh, specifically on the show, was that they, they used to keep her back. She wouldn't go on the missions with them, right? And she would use Cerebro... And she would help them from the base. But what I liked was how they kind of broke her away from that. You got to see her growth as a character. She was one of the few characters on that show that had like an arc that that they went through. Yeah, um, with the the Hellfire Club. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 the Dark Phoenix and and you know all that stuff. Like they really took her through something. And I always appreciated the character strength. Mm-hmm. That was what spoke to me. So the reason why I'm such a big fan of her is because of that show and that kind of like arc and that lesson that I got from from that show. Sure. Um and then then like the one of the first comics I ever read was an X-Men comic. Um and everyone knows this, this isn't a surprise. Uh Professor X and um and Magneto are allegories for uh Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. I wrote a whole paper about that. <laughs> you did, yeah. And so I learned that later in life and it kind of enriched my love for these characters because there was depth that I didn't know was there. Yeah. And like it also I, helped me understand history in that way too. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I immediately like I have a shorthand for these actual real world figures because I'm like, oh, whoa. Totally. That's so cool. Yeah. You know? And and all the reasons why the X-Men have been so important didn't I didn't know them as a kid. I just knew they were cool. And so peeling back the layers of the characters and of their origins, why some of them were created, some of the specifics that go into that, uh, has always fascinated me. And it's made me fall even more in love with these characters. I didn't read an X-Men comic um, that was like modern until uh, it, it was a random issue of Uncanny that in the back you could subscribe to Marvel Comics. They would send them to you. And so I subscribed to Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate X-Men. And Ultimate X-Men I thought was amazing because I didn't I didn't know it at the time, but these were some amazing creators that were on it. They had they they had some really really great writers and artists on that book. They, yeah, people who went on to be like really important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I graduated to Astonishing X Men, and that's when I like Marco was like, wait, I don't understand this at all, right? Uh, and then I fell in love with the X Men all over again because I fell in love with them as comic book characters in the actual comics, right? And I think that I have the deepest appreciation for them in that medium because of all the things that I've got to experience with them. That's one of the reasons why I love uh, these characters and that they get to stick around is because people who read the comics that Phil is most most associates with the X-Men, which are the ones from the 80s and the 90s, have a special attachment to those characters. My special attachment comes from the Astonishing run, from New X-Men, uh, and then from the stuff that came after, and I and they've got a fan for life in me, and I hope that uh, later readers can go back to read that stuff, but then also have their own experiences with the characters in the modern runs of that time. I mean, I think I think a lot of the diehards do. 
So, I say this is an X Men fan. I think the this this popular culture mantra of Martin Luther King Jr. is like Professor Xavier, and Magneto is like Malcolm X is a huge misnomer in this historical uh, re- revisionism because I think it's a disservice to both MLK and Magneto to say that Martin Luther King Jr. would never approve of. And I, I like Xavier and like movie Xavier is a much more is a greater paragon of a he's more MLK than comic book Xavier. Sure. Comic book Xavier is an asshole. Um and Martin Luther King Jr. would never approve of outfitting a group of teenage militants. Militarizing children, yeah. And Magneto is a fucking terrorist. Yeah, that's true, but the you know, comic books represent extremes in a lot of senses, and they're the extreme versions, the hyper realized versions of those actual humans, but I think that you can you can root the 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 character in those real people. I I think that people did that way after the fact. I don't think that was Stan Lee's intention. I don't think that was Chris Claremont's. Maybe intention. that's true. Possible. And I think that's true in the movies. When you watch the movies, it definitely feels more like Xavier is a MLK allegory and Magneto is a uh, Malcolm X allegory. I don't think that reflects the content that came out of the 60s and 70s, at least. But, I think that's fair, but I mean, you, I don't think because the original books didn't reflect that. Well, that's what I'm mean, saying. It's, a, yeah. it's historical revisionism. But, but those characters in the films are have the same problems that you expressed. Uh, Magneto's that's still a true. terrorist, and Professor X gets teenagers to fight. No, you're fight. right. Yeah. I think their personalities are more synonymous with what the intent is, because I think Brian Singer was very cognizant of that. Of, yeah, that al- of making that allegory, yeah. for sure. I was going to say, actually, not that it was the historical revisionism of those older stories, but that that interpretation, yeah. which has been around now for 20 years, yeah, 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 has yeah. influenced yes, these characters absolutely. and our perceptions of them now. Absolutely. And how they've been written since. I think that's indisputable. Yeah. But I'm just saying that they weren't always that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah, that's totally true. From the very first issue, um, they they go to a carnival because they're trying to enlist. Uh, I, no, in the second issue, sorry. They're trying to enlist new mutants and they find a blob. And what they do is they're like, hey, you know, you're part, you're you're in this carnival and you, you we can't push you over uh, if because uh, you're a mutant. And they're like. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's true. So the X-Men invited him to join the X-Men. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And so they, Professor X basically tells him to attack him, knock him unconscious, and then take him hostage until he decides to join the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the idea of the blob? Obviously, like the character's been developed over time, but like the conception. What if this very overweight guy is a mutant? <laughs> like, that was probably the pitch. Book it. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I think that obviously over time, it's like, oh, he's got, like, he can't lose weight because he's a blob kind yeah. of thing. Like, he's, like, got this momentum and all this stuff. But, like, in his Movable debut, object. it was like, well, he's just a big fat guy. He's just a super fat guy. <laughs> So the elevator pitch for a lot of comic book characters <laughs> boils down to little more than that. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that the X-Men have received criticism for, uh, or at least the creators of the X-Men, is that even though they're mutants and mutants in Marvel are basically an allegory for the minority struggle at the time, um, they're all white. All the original X-Men are white. And then, uh, Many, 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 many of the X Men even now are white, and you know there aren't as many 
uh, minority X-Men as maybe there should be. That's debatable, but they're just, you know... Claremont uh, remedied that a good a good amount. At least yeah. all new X Men, uh, it was I think it was fairly revolutionary for its time because every person on that team, except for Xavier and Cyclops, was a foreigner. Yeah. Um so you had Storm, who's from somewhere in Africa. And just just to clarify, Wolverine's Canadian. Wolverine's so, Canadian. Yeah. Uh there, he is white, but he's a foreigner. There was what yeah. Thunderbird who was a Native American, which, yeah. you know, technically like a sovereign nation right, right. person. Um, you had Banshee, who was from Ireland. Yep. You had uh, Colossus, who was from the Soviet Union. Um, who else am I missing from that? Was Kitty in that generation? No, she came Not in the 80s. Okay. But um, she's, I mean, Jewish. Sure. Yeah. So, I, I think that was, like, you look at DC at the time, for instance, like, all the Justice League were white Americans, basically. I mean, the DC universe is still way more white than the Marvel universe. Uh yeah, I think that's. Probably I I, wrote, I did a paper yeah. about it. Like yeah. I I tally. Mark and I have talked about this a lot. Like I tally yeah, the numbers. Yeah, I've seen it. It's good. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I tallied the numbers. It's like it's just true. Like Mar- Marvel does a better job of of representation. I, the X Men are a huge part of that, though. Like if you take the X Men out of that, that entire thing goes out the fucking window. But for for nineteen seventy five, this was huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's still huge for now. Yeah. Oh, was in Nightcrawler also in oh, there? Germany. Germany. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, they had a lot of like interesting pairings too. Of like, yeah, I forgot like, my favorite. That's fucked up. What? My favorite X Men. Oh yeah, right. That's true. Um, but I think like even things that we don't think about now, like the 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 thing of like showing Colossus as a hero at a time where we were distrustful of Russians, or having Kitty who's Jewish and Kurt, who's German and German born national, uh, be like best friends, you know, like there was just a lot of stuff like that. That was very thoughtful. And also like what I like about it is it, it doesn't ever come off as tokenism. It's not just that, but like X-Men were doing things that were not really seen in comics, like interracial relationships. Like they would tease the Wolverine storm thing. Right. And they would actually show that one. Well, and, and, uh, and storm and, um, not cyborg. What's his name? Talking about Forge. Forge. Is it Forge? For, yeah, but for, Forge is black. No, Forge is white. No, yeah, Forge, Forge, is, is, Forge is white. I thought Forge yeah. is Hispanic. Are you uh, sure? No, he's Latino. He's Latino. Oh, okay. Yeah. So again, the, that's my point. They're an interracial couple. Wait. Yeah. Excuse me. The uh, the confusion there between white and Latino in comics is mm-hmm. a huge problem. That Kyle Rayner. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Rayner is Latino. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. There's also he, uh, Sunfire. He's an oh. Avenger now. Oh, that's yeah. right. Sunfire was original as a 75 X-Men and he was Japanese. Yeah. Yes. Well, and it's also like Psylocke was originally white and then they made her Japanese. That's a convoluted story. Yeah. yeah. No, I know it is, but they did it. <laughs> um, so one of the, so we're talking about the criticism of them being too white. And as you guys are saying accurately, that was definitely remedied. Um, but by, by the people who expanded on the lore, right? Um, but the argument has been, and I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this. The argument has been, if the X the X Men are a failed allegory for what it's like to be a minority, because they have the capacity to hide what it is about them that makes them strange. Mm-hmm. The original X Men, none of them have anything that they can't hide. Beast is Beast just a no. Eventually, the original Beast is well, the original. Just, his hands and feet are big. Well, his hands are his oh, hands and no. feet are big. His but hands and feet are big. Yeah, like, like they were like shoes? really big. Like you couldn't wear shoes. 
he has to go to the Home Depot to buy gloves when he's cold. I'm not saying it's the same oh, thing as being man. black, but I'm just caught. Or Angel had wings. Like, yeah, I'm just oh, saying. Okay. He has to strap a thing to his back. All right, oh, fine. His life is so hard. I'm not saying that, but you <laughs> could also make you could make the case that that could also be an allegory for like uh, for minorities assimilating, well, or hiding. I, don't know. I I have thoughts on this. I, I mean, I don't disagree, but with the ori- what Sean's saying with the original five is they That's were fair. they were white. There's, I think there's a few things on this. Um, obviously, later this is the kind of thing that's addressed, like with Nightcrawler, for instance. Like mm. they give him a image altering device that so he blends in and, be normal. and at first he does that but he's like no this is a, a pox upon my actual identity and who i am mm-hmm. and i reject this I like that yeah and that's not unique this is the kind of thing that happens and this is stuff that happens within x-men comics where it's like well you can hide who you are in public and i can't that's it yeah it's like that quote uh i think it's an x-men 2 mystique where, right well not not mystique i'm thinking of uh it's like they're they're talking about um they start finding the cure and Rogue bursts into the room of, of like Storm and Professor yeah. X and Logan and she's like, is it true that they found a cure? And Professor, Professor X goes, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like it. And Storm goes, no, you're perfect just the way they are. Said the woman who can fart clouds to the girl who kills people when she touches them. Well, right. Yeah, right. Well, this is, yeah. that's, that's where the conflict comes from in this soap opera type of comics. But I think the big thing is that the X-Men have spoken to a lot of people who have felt marginalized, and that is an outlet for people to feel uh, some kind of some kind of identity. Like, they, they, they relate to the comics. Like, even talk about Brian Singer, the reason why he was drawn to it is because he, he related to it in a sense of, like, homosexual marginalization. That's why Ian McKellen did the project, is because he thought, oh, like, this these books represent people who are uh, maligned marginalized so like you can revisit the content and ask if this is you know uh racially or sexual identity wise relevant but i think relative to its time it it had a huge profound effect on a lot of people i think the more important thing isn't to criticize or like and not that there isn't value in having the conversation but not to identify or criticize the original stories for not being progressive enough or for being too white or for any of those things but to look at what they inspired yeah. that were good that's what i was trying yeah to say. exactly yeah and like that i mean that to me is what's important is like were stan lee's stories like these uh you know pillars of, of progressive literature like maybe not but they sure inspired a lot of things that were and a lot of characters that are and and things that mean a lot to a lot of people. So I mean, I think that's what's important there. Uh, I wanted to ask this. I've been like uh, when when Sean told us this topic, I said I'd kind of been thinking about it a lot with the uh, uh, announcement of the the mini X Men books that are coming up this year. Uh, and this is just me thinking because I'm not a huge X Men fan, and obviously I'm a white man. Um, it, do you think that the the X Men titles have sort of lost that little bit of like edge, like the you know the the story of the minority or whatever the minority struggle? Do you think they've lost that with you know we just talked about the uh, the Mojo Verse uh, saga, and then you have Apocalypse, and then you have stuff like the Dark Phoenix saga. Like, it, does that get lost? In, in those stories 
So I think that it it can and has at times. I think over the last probably 10 years, most X-Men fans would argue that they've been too rooted in that struggle. Uh, the struggle of we are minorities, we are endangered. And I think there's some validity to that because the cool thing about the X-Men was, all right, well, here are these, you know, maligned characters who um, are fighting for the survival of their people, but they're also actual superheroes and they save the world Uh, and they save the world from things that sometimes only they can deal with. And so when you don't allow them to kind of stretch their ring, their wings and tell the apocalypse stories and every story is like a messiah complex, which I enjoyed, but they did it three times where it's, you know, okay, this is the end of everything. Uh, the mutants are about to be gone. Beast is doing whatever he can to figure something out. Here's this hope, you know, this, this actual character named hope who's going to, you know, bring everything back to square one. Um, I think that that overall narrative has grown stale. Uh, and it's grown stale in part because even though minorities are, are definitely still marginalized, a lot of a lot of minorities are saying to themselves, um, hey, I don't want to be identified this way. I want to be able to like just do my own thing, like travel with stars, like be who I want to be. And I don't know that the X-Men have necessarily gotten to that point where they're allowed to do that. That's really interesting. I've never thought about it that way, but I, I think I think you're right where I guess like the narrative still seems rooted in like the old school problems of, of being a minority. And I think like while being a minority is obviously still um, the struggle is there, but I think the struggle is different now. You know, like it's it's not so much the issue of like um, I, like I feel like blind racism is a, is a much bigger problem than like um, upfront racism. And like you could tackle that in a way that's really interesting, as opposed to the being like we're constantly threatened, we're constantly endangered. Like you could try to tell stories that are more about, um, you know, identity within that culture. After that, I, I don't know. I think twenty seventeen uh, upfront racism is like reared its ugly head. In that's true too. Yeah, way. that's but, true too. But that, but in like up until twenty fifteen, like for the most part, it was it was the more subtle stuff. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily true either. Well, well, okay, so let's not get into that. The point that I was trying to make and that I think Pete is agreeing with is that, that okay, so racism is still a big issue. Minorities are saying to themselves, well, okay, this sucks and it's terrible. We're going to try to do what we can to bring up ourselves and our communities and we're going to do better. And... You know we're gonna we're gonna reach for the stars, and the comics don't necessarily reflect that. I like. Well, I don't. Sorry, go ahead, Marco. No, I was just gonna say I don't think it's necessarily like minorities trying to reach for the stars or trying to be better. But um, I, I don't know if that's like the way that you were you were gonna word it. But um, I, I don't think it's necessarily like we have to strive for more or that we have to do more in order to achieve that. But that we should be recognized as equal and not have to work the double or work that triple just to get to the same level as somebody else. I don't know if that was what you were trying to allude to. For me, the the, the comics have been centered around an argument and a specific point in time in our history, which is the civil rights era, right? Like the comics are about them being oppressed, them trying to overcome that specific issue. And I feel like 
as a society, that's not the era that we're in. The era that we're in is more about, even though we're, we're fighting against that, the era that we're in is integration. The era that we're in is us the us being able to have this right now where there's three white guys and two minorities and have it be totally cool and we don't even think about it, right? That's right. the era that we're in. I wanted to tie this back a bit here, though. Um, I think what you're saying is a big reason why the books haven't been very good for the last like 15 years. I feel like there's circling kind of repeated themes that were done in the first 25 years of the history of the books and not progressing. Yeah. Where when, when Morrison took on the book, I think he actually was moving it forward for the first time in a little bit. Because like, like from the last like three years, maybe. But then Clash of Editorial and it kind of reset on the status quo and I feel like it's been just circling the Claremont stuff in the same kind of... It hasn't been moving in the direction I think it should. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Sean, I wanted to ask, like, do you... Th- is this what you're trying to say, I think? My interpretation of what I think your argument is that, like, what made the X-Men special was, like, the way that it talked about, like, race, and, like, that hasn't evolved, even though the way that, like, race is needs to be talked about has. Yeah, exactly. So, one of the things that I always think about is the X-Men versus the Avengers and the way that those two teams are perceived. So, to me, the X-Men... Are, are the Avengers are like, hey, we're the, you know, we're the white guys. Like, we're here. Like, no, not to offend anyone, but we're like, we're here and everything is fine. And everyone will cheer them and applaud. And if the X-Men do the same thing that the Avengers do, they will be maligned. It, people will ask Fucking themselves. Fucking mutants destroyed a building. Yeah, yeah like the <laughs> narrative will be different. Like, like if Spider-Man saves people versus if Cap does it, right? Like the way it'll be talked about is different. And I like that's something that I've always wanted to see highlighted more. That that the X Men can do the same things as you know the next super team, but not be treated with the same respect. When they did AVX, one of the questions was, "Well, who's the better leader, Cyclops or Captain America?" And I always have interpreted that as, "Well, uh, Captain America is automatically going to be seen as the better leader because he is who he is, and Cyclops is who he is, and who he is is a mutant." That's why that book had like interesting ideas. Yeah, like Cyclops is a revolutionary, and like yeah. as, as, as that kind of concept was, I thought a good idea, and it was a, I think it was a logical direction for the character, but it was just fumbled so badly. Yeah, I just want to <clears throat> sort of jump off what you're saying with a quote from uh, Mark Guggenheim, uh, who's writing X Men Gold. Yeah, and then maybe we can kind of finish our thoughts on this. Sounds good. So uh, he says, uh, 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 resurrection, I guess, uh, is, uh, okay, so it's part of uh, the X, this is what they're titling the X-Men line relaunch. Okay, Uh, X-Men resurrection is the event, so to speak? So to speak, yeah. Uh, So uh, resurrection is, uh, Mark Guggenheim says, it's more about the X-Men as heroes uh, rather than the X-Men as a struggling minority fighting for their very existence. That existential crisis is tabled for the time being. It's been a while since the X-Men have really been able to catch their breath and not worry about the end of meeting kind. How... I So, okay, my, my initial reaction to that, and I remember reading that when it came out, is, but that's what, you know, that's what the X-Men are all about, is the minority struggle. But I also... I also see, you know, yeah, the X-Men haven't been able to take a breath. 
So now sort of my 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 thought based on this conversation is like, yeah, that would be okay. I would be okay seeing that if we can see the X-Men sort of, like you were saying, do the things the Avengers do, but still be hated. Yeah. So they, okay. So after, um, after I forget what the event title was, but there was an event that took place where after that hope had grown up cable, like brought her back from the future. She was a grown adult. And she was like the messiah for the for the mutant um, characters, and they kind of went to the West Coast to Cali. The, the X Men went to Cali, and they took over Cali. And they, that whole storyline, they really kind of dropped the whole "Hey, we're we're minorities" uh, around that time, and then they then they went back and did it again with the Inhumans stuff that they're going through now, and so. What Mark is expressing is something that I think is important, but they've done it before and it felt dry. And what it's missing is that the X-Men are not the Avengers. They're not just superheroes. And you can't divorce them from what they are, which is that they are mutants. And I think that the real heat in the storytelling is, hey, these guys aren't the Avengers. They can do the same things, but not get the same kind of credit. They they are um, maligned. There, there are racists who hate them, and that's something that they deal with, but they're still superheroes. And I want to see that story, and I'm afraid, based on what he said, that that's not what we're getting. Well, what the way I, I heard that was that they were going to be given a break to be people. They weren't being hunted. They were given a break to be treated as, uh, as humans. Like They're not going to be treated as an other they're just going to they're going to have the chance to be like okay these are mutants but they interact in a normal way they're not different they're just mutants but that's okay that's the way i was understanding what you read Kale. so a bit a bit more optimistic than right, right I, yeah i'd say yeah me or Sean. i think there's i have a lot more to say on this um i think there's a lot of real world allegories that could be tied here and um there's other examples to bring forth but because there's so much more to say, this is a pretty good spot to put a pin in, I think. I yeah. think so, too. And yeah. I, th- I think uh, we will definitely be revisiting the X-Men because, you know, we're all fans and there's so much to this. And, and there's so much to, you know, conversations about representation in comics, which is why we've had that conversation so many times. Not to mention we also so, have the opportunity to talk about the X-Men in two weeks when Logan comes out yeah. and in another few months when these nine fucking comics come out and we right. all inevitably well, read no, them. next week, no? They come out next... Uh, Logan comes out next week? Yeah, it does. Holy shit, are you kidding? Wait. Yeah. March, March 3rd. 3rd. No, no, Logan does. I said the comics. You, well, at first you said a couple yeah, of weeks. Oh, Logan, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I guess I Yeah, I Freudian slipped there. I meant when the when the nine yeah. new comics come out, we'll have the perfect opportunity to return to this discussion. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we'll 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 tie it together with the bow for now, um, but we'll revisit it at a later point. So great. Um thanks thanks for, yeah, thanks for listening to the episode. Uh if you liked it, definitely let us know. By hitting hitting us up on iTunes and leaving us that sweet five star rating that we crave and love to brag about. Ooh, um, five star rating. Yes, yes. Uh, and leave us a comment and let us know what you think. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at the Comics Pals. Um, you can li- let us know what you think about the X Men. Let us know what you think about representation in comics. Let us know what you think about anything we've talked about in this episode. Who's your favorite X Men? I want to know. Cyclops, Jean Grey. Not you guys. I oh. know already, but I mean. The, the kids at home, the oh. pals. Oh, the pals! <laughs> it's not oh. you guys. I was like, yeah, we're the pals. They had a they five 
Like, yeah, we've done we've yeah. done this a lot. Yeah, it's like we've already done this. Why are we doing this again? With Cyclops. I, well, yeah. So Beast. Do do let us know in the comments. Um actually I changed my answer to Cyclops. Let us know on YouTube who you guys are into. Uh this is getting this is we're just losing control here. Um share the show. Please do. That helps us out a lot. It's really important. And write to us at the comicspals at gmail.com. Plugs, Pete. Cool. All right, thanks again for joining us for another episode of The Comics Pals. Uh, if you guys want some more content from me, please check out my writing over at comicbookresources.cbr.com. Uh, I write two lists there a week usually. Um, so you can go click on those, help me pay the bills. Uh, if you guys want some other co- YouTube content from me, you can go check out my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash. That's Slack and Slash, slackandslash.com or youtube.com slash Slack and Slash. Uh, we do, it's a video game channel. We do a podcast every Monday, Let's Plays on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, <laughs> we've been out of commission for the last two weeks because my computer's been fucked up, which you guys would know. So uh, we'll be back this week, hopefully. So come hang out if you're a gamer. I would really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to come have a conversation with me or whatever, follow me on social media at loud underscore Pete and uh, come have a conversation with me about your favorite X-Man. Kale. Uh, I am going to plug my comics company, Panels Publishing. Uh, we're a small group of comics novices who are trying to help uh, new comics writers get into the biz. Um, so please follow us on social media and buy our stuff on Comicsology. Uh, we're hungry. Uh, I think that's just the panels comics slogan at this point. We're yeah. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Panels Comics. Uh, on Twitter is Panels Comics with an X. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. Phil? Cyborg Bebop. Marco? <laughs> okay. Um, you can follow me at Woe is Marco on Instagram and Woe is Marco underscore uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm retweeting and starting arguments with everybody, with all the pals. And you can follow me, although I don't know why you would, uh, at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. Solid sell, Sean. Which, <laughs> which you can you can argue with me all you want. I promise that I will actually respond to you. And I basically will... tweeting into the void. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. What? No. Um, I'll I mean, definitely tweet are we all right? All right. Existential. The existential pals. <laughs> Uh, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Yes, <laughs> Oh, God! You're my boy! Yeah, all right, let's get hamburgers.